This is Naoki Yoshida. This is Fern Hall. And you are listening to Aetherite Radio. Aetherite Radio. Here we go. All right, hello and welcome to Aetherite Radio Gamerscape's Final Fantasy XIV podcast. I'm Fusion X and joining me today, we've got a full house. We've got Zanidra, we've got Altino, and we've got Rook. So we got a lot to go over this week. Um, first, we're going to get into some news here. Um, Screenix has posted uh, something up on the Lodestone uh, talking about the effects of COVID-19 right now, um, saying that the development and operations team offer their deepest sympathies and wish speedy recovery to those that have been affected by the worldwide spread of COVID-19. Um, as you know, the development and operations teams have taken measures to minimize the impact to our services by working remotely. Despite this, there have been some inevitable disruptions, such as certain customer support features being suspended in North America and Europe. Depending on the situation and regulations enacted within each city or country, we may experience limits imposed on development and operations, uh, schedule delays, or further disruption to customer support. We will be taking precautions in the best interest of the safety of our staff and local communities while minimizing efforts or the effects on our services uh, as much as possible. We will share further updates via the Lodestone as the situation evolves. Thank you for your understanding and continued support of Final Fantasy fourteen. So, um, yeah, I mean, that's, I think, to be expected. Um, it is what it is, right, with, with the, the landscape the way it is right now. Um, that being said, uh, patch 5.25 will land this Tuesday. <laughs> so, yeah, so uh, with that, we'll be getting the Resistance Weapon Quests, um, which should include a new trial, which, Gabranth? <laughs> i'm still i'm still thinking it's gonna be gabronth we'll see what happens um and then as well we'll get um some more um changes to uh crafting and gathering as well so uh that is this tuesday and of course if you haven't done it yet already hatching tide is going on right now uh to april 13th get your rabbit suit and uh your furniture items if you haven't already you have a problem with the rabbit cringe suit. Yeah. Or, yeah, just don't get the rabbit suit. Yeah. What if we just burned them all, and then there were no more rabbit suits in Eorzea, is my suggestion. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get it. I'm going to get it, if only to just put it in storage so that I don't have to Directly pay $10 nowhere. for it next year. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's the only reason I get a lot of this stuff. <laughs> the most terrifying thing that I think I've seen, there's, like, two versions of it. Either, like, a Hrothgar wearing the bodysuit with no headpiece, or if you're Viera and you're just wearing the bodysuit and then you have your distressingly small rabbit head on top that's like your <laughs> personal ears and like <laughs> it's it is something else. It's really yes. something else. Uh Quadraxis in chat, real quick, new PvP season <laughs> does start with the patch as well. That is correct. I forgot yes. to add that. I'm so sorry, PvP people. Um all right, so that is it for news. So, obviously, with patch 5.25 landing this week, we'll be talking about that next week. So, that's what you can look forward to uh, from us next week. So, uh, this week, we're going to finish up the uh, chat that we started. Well, everybody else started. I wasn't here last week. <laughs> uh, talking about the creation of Shadowbringers video series that they've been doing. Um, so the fourth video in the series is making the monsters. Um, and so this goes into talking about um, some of the design elements of uh, the, the battles, um, talking about uh, some of the primal fights, um, lots of talk in a lot of these uh, videos actually about the, 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 the Tesslene scene, right? Mm -hmm. 
which is it's that's like the go-to in like every video we needed to talk about however we were gonna do this and monsters sound everything it's all about the tesla insane mm -hmm. <laughs> and this is after they had already talked freak about you it out in every right. section yeah yeah i mean and this is already after they talked about it at pax too right during the pax panel where they they talked about it where you know they you know illustrated it with the namazu mask on stage yeah um so um, in this video, uh, we've got uh, Shinya Ichira, who's the art team lead, um, deals with um, all the elements related to graphics. He handles uh, sections including uh, motion animation, visual effects, and characters, and he's also worked on the launch trailer. Um, and also in this, we have Yusuke Mogi, uh, who was uh, part of the uh, streamed panel that they did. He was going to be a PAX East originally a couple weeks back, um, who does a lot of the uh, 2D artwork. He's the lead character concept artist. Um, so one of the things they talk about is how they make a boss in this game, right? Anything that's, you know, a dungeon boss or a trial boss. Um, so obviously they start with a draft design. They have to figure out on paper what it could look like. And then from there, um, they model it for 3D. I wrote E3 on the outline. That's an interesting typo. Uh, they don't model it for E3. They model it for 3D. Hmm. Um, and then, I don't know. They could, they could aim to show it I in mean, E3 it, the first time. Yeah. Could be. Not this year. Not this year, but... No, not uh, this year. No, no. <laughs> um, then from there, they decide if they need to do uh, new animation work on it or if they can reuse... You know, because obviously for cost reasons, right, they want to see what they can use that they already have. Uh, they look at um, new animation work, rigging, setup time, visual effects, sound effects, um, and... They say from from beginning to end, it takes six months to create a large scale boss. Dang! And wow, it's wow. crazy. What That's counts a as a large time. scale boss, though? Yeah, I was gonna say, like, is that so, a trial boss? Or I think even, like, I, I, I think boss? for large, I think large scale boss, I think that's probably trial. Yeah, trial is ultimate. Um, they yeah, say that, that uh, incorporating player feedback into it uh, makes it an aggressively tight <laughs> schedule. Um, I mean, and, and I think a really good example of this, while not just a single fight, um, looking back at Eureka and how yeah. things were perceived and how it took a little while for changes to be implemented because we had an Emos and then we had the wonderful zone that was Pagos, right? Um, but that's because by that point, Pagos was done. <laughs> like, And so the changes came in the next, you know, uh, what was, God, what was after Pagos? Pyros, Pyros, yeah, Pyros, and then Hydatos, yeah, right? That's right. That's mm -hmm. right. I couldn't remember Pyros, so that's why Pyros was was definitely better than Pagos, right? In a lot oh, of reasons, yeah. because because by the time that Nemos was out, they were just about done with Pagos already. So, um, it's it's interesting. I mean, that you know, this stuff takes time to develop. You know, something launches, really and it's the the next the stuff the bulk of the work for the next patch is already done right they're working two patches ahead and then there's another team probably working on expansion stuff like there's a lot going on um so to incorporate player feedback like that is really really hard um it they, honestly doesn't surprise me that it takes about that six months i mean when you think about all. some of the most iconic fights as far as like trials and primals <laughs> and things like that go I mean, that is a huge part of it, right? Yeah. I mean, even down when we're talking about packs, like even down to just showcasing those, you know, primals in whatever challenge you have or things like that, they become an iconic part of the game and they always have been with Final Fantasy. So I can imagine that with like those kinds of fights, I mean, yeah, you want to like nail it, right? Um, and we've seen like the scale of them just continue going up from the base game. 
And I think that's partly why everybody keeps wondering, like, will they ever go back and like redo some of those Garlean bosses or do like an extreme version of Cape <laughs> mm-hmm. Westwind, you know? Because at this point we've got like snake women on on some yeah. kind of floating thing who are welcoming you into their bosom. Like some guy with a gun doesn't really matter as much, you know? <laughs> like, but it's, it is really cool to see, um, I mean, how they continue to realize that and to know that there's so much time and care that goes into it. Yeah. Cool. Mm-hmm. That comparison, my goodness. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, he had gun shields. It wasn't just guns, it was gun shields. Sorry, I'm so, That's you're right. right. I'm so sorry. I did not mean to sell him shields. Not, not that the distinction matters, but gun shields. That's the best thing about Garly and Tech. They're like, we'll just add a gun to whatever we want. Like, like backpacks, yeah, gun. gun book. I need my gun, gun book, man. Gun book. Just tape a just gun to me. it. Yeah, exactly. Technology, science. We already have some books where when you when you open them like something will pop up like you know the veil of wii u with the little light yeah just gun there you go <laughs> see, see like like that would make sense for a gun book but yeah. but for my my less practical thing right it's a more realistic approach i just imagine a book with the pages cut out and there's just a gun in it and you just yeah. open the book and just pull out the gun like that's yep one of the one of the rare difference uh you know different uh weapon types right for for scholar and and summoner you just <laughs> i would start book in one handgun and the playing. other i would play yeah. summoner and scholar if they came out with like you have the kettles for monk if they just give right. you a book with a gun in it i'd be I like oh it. no i have to switch my main right now right this is important every so often every so often a job gets that one weapon model where you're just like we want more of these you know it's like the the garo gun for for machinist it's just a pistol mm. Are there any other pistols? I don't think there are. Of course, it looks ridiculous when you sprint on Machinist holding that because you still do the two-handed run animation. So you're just, there's nothing nothing there. Uh, Anyway. (laughs) Um, They talk a little bit about uh, when designing monsters, how uh, the challenges they faced with light being the enemy. Obviously, in Shadowbringers, that's the big thing, right? Is that... They have to take this traditionally good thing and and reverse it and flip it and make it bad. Um, and so they decided that light uh, would be white in color and it would be something unusual within the natural world so that it would kind of pop and make it a little visually striking compared to everything else. Um, and again, the testing scene. <laughs> yeah. um, they wanted... This is... You know, it's a big scene for the for the expansion, right? Because it helps to push the idea that light is the enemy. It's you get into the first, and it's like oh, everything is light and it looks kind of nice and all right, whatever. But then you get the Tesslian scene, and uh, you go, oh shit! No, it's bad. <laughs> this yeah. is not good. This is a very bad place. We want to go back home. We don't want to be mm-hmm. here. Um, and so that that scene was a big uh, service to to help push that the idea that you know light is the enemy um, to make it you know this white and ominous and evil. Um, and Mogi actually talks about the design of it and how he says that the wings um, on Tesslian are actually evocative of a dove, which is usually a creature that's representative of peace. And so maybe not maybe so rest much in, peace. in this yeah. case. <laughs> not so much in this case. Um, and so. Again, coming off of that a little bit, they talk about Tesslene and the, the the fight against her. Um, there was a lot of talk uh, with the writing team talking about how they would have players confront Tesslene after she turned. Um, and so ultimately, right, they knew that for some people it could be a really stressful fight, right? This is a character that you've, in a short time, you've come to know and, and maybe like, right? Um, and so what they did is they had it in a dungeon. So 
there's some nuances that people can appreciate if they want, if they've, you know, kind of given into that relationship, right? Or you can just go buy it and whatever. It's a boss fight in a dungeon, right? So I thought that was an interesting kind of thing. I don't know. Like, do you guys like the dungeon approach? Or do you, would you rather have had it be some kind of like a, an instanced or phased fight as during another quest somewhere? I... Then go you go. You take it first. Okay. You take it first. Uh, I actually, the first time I did the dungeon, partially because it's not the last fight, didn't realize that that's who we were fighting. Like I missed it entirely. Oh no! Yeah, that face. Uh, I I just I just spaced <laughs> it. Uh, I was paying more attention to the mechanics uh, going mm. through the first time and and didn't even realize it. And then the second time going through, I was like, wait a minute, is that? Mm. Oh, Ooh. I feel dumb now. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, I I do kind of like uh, the fact that the character was in the dungeon, but I feel like there should have been more emphasis on it. Mm, yeah, I okay. totally agree. You said pretty much exactly what I was thinking. <laughs> or at the very least, I mean, we have this system now with trusts, and I love the idea, the details of the trust system where, you know, like you go in with the trusts and... Um, you get little d additional dialogue. Um, mm -hmm. They have their own patterns, their own things. And one thing that's still really surprising to me even now is that, like, if you go into that dungeon with Alice, there's not, like, a big moment with Tesleen there. And so for me, it was kind of tough because it felt like here's this material that is so good. Like, this is just drama. It's rife with drama, you know? And it's so good in the context of, like, watching the world be destroyed. So I really found myself wishing that like either on the first run, although they've tried to stop doing this because of how it holds up players, like I mm -hmm. felt like that was a moment that did scene or something. Or like yeah. maybe if you went in with trusts, then you could have like a cutscene that maybe would appear or you'd have dialogue throughout the fight with Alice or something or a moment at the end. I mean, because it is so it's so tough. And if you don't realize that it's her. I think you do sure, miss yeah. out on some of the mm -hmm. the actual like texture in the story that they've created, and I know you're not alone in having done that, Zen. Like other people mm -hmm. didn't realize either. Right. Yeah. See, but you know when right. we we approach the last boss, there's like that two second thing where it's like this is the boss. I feel like having one of those beforehand, and maybe like a reaction from Alize in it would have been solid enough to, to wake stop. up people who were asleep yeah. like me. Apparently, I mean, I did every dungeon with trust because i took my time through each one of them i didn't do any of them with people i didn't duty find at all le while leveling so it was fine to me like i was just going mm -hmm. through slow and i was like oh no yeah That's and, I'm, and i think doesn't really react but she says one thing and i'm she, like she oh, does no. there there is a reaction right it's yeah. not to say that there's nothing there is a reaction it's but it's like it's like a one-off bubble text line um yes yeah. which is me, you know they that was enough i don't know why yeah they didn't want to break the mold i think is is really what it ultimately comes down to they don't want to mess with the pacing and stuff and uh, all right yeah, yeah I, I get it um i mean i noticed it um going through my first i can't remember um some of the dungeons i did with trust um i don't remember if, if holminster was one of them i know i did like mount gold with trust um but yeah i mean you, you know going through you to that one part and you're just like oh okay uh <laughs> But, uh, I haven't done a single trust at all. It's rough. It's it is. I would rough. rather do trust. Like I, honestly, I usually cool. collect friends. Like, hey, I'm doing this. Who wants to go? And I can usually at least get three mm -hmm. or four. 
Yeah, it's yeah, it's I, interesting I because I mean, it, obviously, with a party, right, you can breeze through it a little quicker, but you do get little little things, right, with the trust yeah. if you go through. So it it. Uh, I just always do it yeah. first time, like just last patch when it came out. I was like, I'll do trust first. Okay, cool. That's how it is, and then I'll do the regular yeah. and the expert. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it, I think. I think like... Go ahead. I was going to say, I think it's a great way to keep the feeling and flow of the story coherent in a lot of ways. You know, yeah. if you're somebody who wants that, or even if you're just going through on a DPS and, you know, cues are kind of rough, like, <laughs> it's nice to be able to, like, not have to take yourself out of the moment. Because that is something that was always kind of a little strange in previous dungeons. Like, mm -hmm. you run up to the dungeon with your squad and they're all like, this is a really important mission that we should all be a part of. And then it's you and, like, some guy named Chicken Face McGibbons and, like, someone else. In a rabbit suit. And in, like, a rabbit suit. And yeah. you're just like, and they're like, I'm so glad you and those adventurers you pulled out of your butt somehow managed to clear <laughs> that dungeon. Um, so I love that you can go in and that they are trying to make it something more than just bots that are kind of there to help you for convenience mm -hmm. sake, mm -hmm. um, especially in moments like this where, yes, you know, there is a reason that having Alice there could create a dramatic moment or, you know, in whatever situation or whatever kind of setting for future dungeons, too. Um, I really love that. And it's fun to see. But it's it. I didn't go through the first time on them either which is kind of interesting. I, I just queued in because I was excited and we had people and friends that were playing too. So for me, I was like, oh, let's do it. But um, I think if there were definitely, like if they keep expanding that and they keep adding more dialogue or you know other things with that like leveling system, I'll probably take them through a lot more for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think for me, like I, I love the idea of trust and I love the idea of kind of turning the game into a, a single player experience just because you get just a little bit of like flavor text to the tea experience. I, I think I wish it was a little bit more like present because it's so easy to miss that type of text in this game. Um, oh, yeah. And I, I do love the idea of adding like, you know, again, we'll go back to Holminster and the idea of Ali say and Tessleen, right. Given, given them a scene, if you have her in doing it as trust, I think that's a really great idea. But then there's that, that question, right. Of uh, if you don't do that the first time, did it really happen or like, and I think, to that extent, I think they just need to be like, whatever with that, right? If they want to do it, and I think that would be fine um, to add that kind of uh, stuff to it. Um, whether they do it or not, I, you know, who knows? It's the trust system is still new, right? So maybe later on they'll right. decide that they want to do something like that, or they'll just keep on with with how they have it right now. Um, all right, moving on into Eden. Um, surprise, it was challenging and difficult to make these primals. Um, <laughs> because any other Final Fantasy game, right? They can almost just copy paste a model, right? It's Leviathan. Yeah. This is how Leviathan no. looks. But with, with here, uh, they have to, and, and it's, I, I feel for them, right? They have to differentiate it, but not differentiate it too much, right? It's, it's like, it's Leviathan, but you can't make it Leviathan, but also it still has to be Leviathan. <laughs> Right. Um, they they talked a little bit. I still love their Leviathan solution. It it makes sense. <laughs> the two heads. And it's ridiculous. Yep. Yeah. Um, <laughs> they talked about Titan, um, and the battle team wanted to have a lot of different mechanics, and so they talked about wanting to have uh, mobility and transforming parts, but um, they also need to not go kind of overboard because there's resources that they have to work with, right? Both budget and memory limitations and all this kind of stuff. Um, so they, they need to make it crazy, but not too crazy, right? 
Um, and Mogi-san uh, jokingly told the team, well, let's put like a jackhammer or a drill on it, um, and we'll just make that spin. And then the next thing you know is they implemented it, and it looks like a steamroller, which is how we now have our other little go-kart titan uh, transformation. <laughs> I mean, why not? Titan's so fun from that set. I think out of all of the like reimaginings of the primals, um, even though Titan isn't one of my favorite like primals in general, oh, yeah. you know, mm-hmm. um, I think his fight was probably for me personally. And I'm curious to hear what everybody else's were. Um, like my favorite out of the reenvisionings that they've done, just because like I feel like they did put themselves in such a tough situation with like. You're remembering them, mm-hmm. but also no one wants to just do the same fights over again. So we'll do something different. And so for me, it's it's. I almost wish that they had dropped like entirely that remembering element, and maybe just you know I don't know had it be mm-hmm. a reembodiment of these different energies that maybe mm-hmm. sure has some influence from you or whatever. But Titan is so fun because his fight does feel like very 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 different in a way that is like really, I don't know, creative and enjoyable. And like the first time he turns into a go-kart, everybody's like, what, what is happening right now? And like the arena with all the different, you know, like platforms and things. Mm-hmm. I, I really feel like that one so far for me has been like one of the most enjoyable mm-hmm. designs they've done with the re-envisionings. But what does everybody else think? Was like I, I think... Leviathan your favorite then or? Which, which one? Leviathan. Oh, you know what? I don't think I can pick a favorite. Um, I really, I like comparing all of them, like picking the stuff out of the original ones that they converted into, into other things. Mm-hmm. Like I, in, in Titan, for example, I kind of equate landslides with the, the truck running you over. Um, yeah. just things like that. Uh, I think, uh, the way that they took something and in, in concept and changed it entirely into something else, but you can still see the line of similarity is very interesting. Yeah. Um, I think I like Titan for that reason too, because it's, it's different, but there's little not like you still get boulders, but you, you know, you get the, the, the charge with the landslide, like that kind of connection. And I think for me, yeah, I think Titan is my favorite, but I think also part of that um, is because coming into, into Shadowbringers, we didn't know what Eden was going to have for us. And so those last two fights were just like, whoa, like, this is really cool. And then we get into the second stage and you're like, okay, here's, you know, here's, here's Ramu. And you're like, oh, all right. Like, it's just, there was a bit of a a wow surprise factor in there that I think for me, the second part just didn't have. And so for me, Leviathan, I mean, Titan's on top, but then Leviathan and then like the other ones are just kind of whatever. Like, (laughs) I was going to say, um, the Ifrit and Garuda fight, I feel like has the most direct things pulled. And then yeah. the fight itself is the least like the previous ones, mm-hmm. other That's than the true. direct mechanics pulled. But I really like when the two are talking to each other and giving each other shit. Yes. I enjoyed that a whole lot. I, I that- really wish they would have pulled out Garuda a little bit more in that regard. Because, I mean, you think back to, like, the story, the MSQ with Garuda, like, mm-hmm. she is nasty. She's crazy. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, like, she's, she's attacking the Hamlets and stuff. And I wish they would have like had a lot. little bit more of that. Yeah, she's got that embodiment of ferocity to mm-hmm. her, which I think that people forget a lot because she's like a, a winged woman, I guess. But she's supposed mm-hmm. to be almost like a bird of prey, if you will. Yeah. Like she, she's screaming. She's yeah. <laughs> she she's not happy. I mean, that one's my favorite. Uh, yeah. The Ifrit Garuda one. Yeah. I mean, okay. I like Titan and I like Titan a lot, but the Ifrit Garuda one, I just like how creative they got with the two mechanics at the same time. Mm-hmm. Like the thing, mm-hmm. fighting the two of them at the same time is is just a, a cool idea. 
Yeah, I think I think my my idea is is influenced by the story of it of it of it just being a like you get into Eden too, right? And it's just like, all right, we'll fight we'll fight Ramu and like whatever, and then it's like let's fight two at once. That's a terrible idea. Let's make Don't. Reen turn into sh you are stupid. Why would you do that? Like, and I think that's what affects me. I mean, I I think the other the other question too. You look at everything. What is your favorite uh, piece of music from these new Primals fights? Because there's some oh. good stuff in here. It's all really good. I mean, I, I do actually. Remove. The Ramu one is is excellent. Oh man, uh, the Shiva. I actually really like the music of yeah. Shiva, even if the Shiva, mm -hmm. the entire experience isn't isn't my absolute favorite. Mm -hmm. um, I was gonna <laughs> add that um, Zed a few weeks ago. I did say that I thought that the the Garuda Ifrit fight was probably one of my my less favorites. I thought it was a little bit easier, but now that we've done it a bunch. It is really satisfying and it is really fun and the music is really good and I like dance. the yeah mm -hmm. like the theme of the fire and the air like feeding each other and then getting you know the wombo combos the knocking up in the air and then being destroyed or like yeah. that that's just cool <laughs> it is fun I think that one comes together really well I liked the music from the first set but I think some of them were a little bit harder to listen to on repeat if that makes mm -hmm. sense like absolutely. Sure. I really I like, like listening to them individually, but like I, I had to turn off the Leviathan, Leviathan, like because it just drove me nuts when we were working through it. <laughs> I don't like either one of those songs, but I like all of the newer ones. So okay. Yeah, I was going to say the repeat thing. It, it brings back fond memories of Cruise Chaser, Prague. Yep. Oh my gosh. In, uh, forward and back. This and is, forward and back. This is a little bit of a, a tangent, okay. but every time we do, uh, what is it, seven? The first part yeah, of the I portals where we're telling people, okay, go forward, go back, go forward, go back. I find <laughs> myself wanting to sing, okay, forward, now back, and now forward, now back, and stay oh, back. And <laughs> yeah. I think it's a little, it makes me a little bit sad that sitting here talking about all the fights, I literally could, I don't even know what the tune, it's just generic, isn't it just, I don't even know what the music is for seven. I don't either. Oh, I don't even it know. It is Final Fantasy VIII. It's it just is the, Eden, the same the, yeah. one from Eden. Yeah, it's oh, kind of the same one from E1. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. It's their yeah. generic. This one's not quite themed enough, so we'll just use this yeah. track. <laughs> yeah, which, yeah, that fight's a little. It's a little bland. Yeah, which is a little sad. <laughs> I love that track from Eight, but they didn't really do anything to like remix it when they brought it into 14s. I remember being mad about that. I think when we mm. first were talking mm. about it too. It's it's I rough, right? More. Because I want you more want. Music from eight. Yeah, this music it's, is great. Yeah, yes. it's good. It's it, it's really rough with when they bring other Final Fantasy tracks into fourteen, right? Mm -hmm. Because you you sometimes they'll they'll spruce it up quite a bit, right? You'll get some stuff, um, you know, in like Crystal Tower series or something, right? That'll be the original, but they've they've reworked a lot of it. Um, but then you know we'll get like the Evil East raid, and they're just like copy paste the track, like essentially, like they still do adjustments to it, right? But it's the original tracks from tactics or 12 or whatever and so it's like oh all right that said uh, i i didn't know this but um like three years ago uh final fantasy 14 broke the guinness book yeah. world records for most soundtracks yeah. in mm -hmm. a game so, that's right they yeah. did that at the yeah, uh, at the frankfurt fan fest but there's still a bunch in there oh there's still a yeah, lot of music oh yeah much. oh yeah. my gosh there's so when, much so can got it i yeah. think right yeah yeah that was at the frankfurt fan fest yeah Cool. Yeah. Found that accidentally uh, yesterday. <laughs> nice. No, that's such a cool tidbit. And I mean, obviously, when we get into the audio design portion, 
I mean, yeah. Sokin's contribution is even, I mean, it's even more boggling. Just the sheer amount of work and music and detail that goes into all this. He does a lot of stuff. Yeah. But well, with like these primal fights and with these monsters and... Um, I think that those themes and everything, talking about trying to like create this new experience, but that is still nostalgic in some way, it all does come together. Um, and it has been really interesting to see how they've envisioned everything and from a fight perspective, how they've surprised, because I agree with you, Fusion, like 100%. The first tier was really, because we had no idea getting yeah. into it. It was like, oh man, yeah, oh, this is cool. So for the second tier, I think they did try to surprise us a little bit by doing some of these unusual re-envisionings, right? With like the two combined into one or the final fight where it's Shiva, but it's not Shiva because it's Reen, because it's also, and then, mm -hmm. you know, we have Freeze Velker who comes in and all this stuff. And it is fun. I think your critiques about the story not always totally holding together to justify some of that is valid. <laughs> but as far as the designs go, like, mm. I mean, I do think I was surprised this tier with some of those when we hit that part with Rock to Pasca and I was like, what? Like, yeah. that was really fun. Mm -hmm. um, so there, there have been fun surprises in how they do it, but I won't lie, I'm kind of excited to see them move past it and get to the next tier yeah. and yeah. hopefully well, have completely new bosses. You what know? are they going to do? We right. have no idea. I, I, think, I think a lot of it, too, I mean, comes down to just the, the marketing and stuff, right? Because ahead of 5.0, um, we didn't have, we knew the raid was Eden. That was it. <laughs> we didn't have, yep. you know, any, any, you know, uh, key art or anything come out, no screenshots or anything about Eden. And they did this, too, with um omega and i i think alexander as well if if memory serves they i, I mean so. they they showed a little bit um uh, at a at a tgs i think for like the second i can't remember they, they they showed a tiny snippet of alexander i think but that might have been the, the second phase i don't remember um but yeah it's we, we going into a new expansion we have no idea what to expect from the raid um and then you get that second leg and you know because we're into it now we have that marketing going and it's like oh that's what it's gonna be okay uh, i mean they still give us some surprises right like we didn't know about reen and shiva um so that's that was kind of cool right i think out of that that second batch i think that was the the one fight that i was like oh even though it was a really terrible idea um <laughs> narratively um but yeah i mean so that was that was nice i think it's it's nicer when it's a it's a surprise but i also understand that they need to show people what the patch is gonna have right but we also have, you know, this trial coming up in in five point two five this week. We don't know what it is. I think it's Gabronth. I'm still, I'm, I'm never gonna drop that. Do I you? think it's Gabronth. But yeah, I haven't heard that you haven't, yet. You haven't, you haven't picked up on that yet. <laughs> well, uh, <laughs> I mean, we'll I think that they could possibly. Oh, well, I don't know. We'll see. I think they could do something coming from like the last time that we had some sort of trial that was tied to relic stuff, right? They were kind of a more generic enemy, like the the chimera and stuff like that. Yeah. So oh, I gosh, could see yeah. it just being some kind of thing. But like with the context of the story that we have surrounding it, I feel like it is going to be relevant to yeah. what we know has been going on there with the Empire. And I mean, whether or not this first one is Gabronth, I don't think you are wrong at all. Like I think at some point, if it's yeah. not this fight, there's going to be some kind of oh, encounter yeah. with him. There has yeah. to be, right? It just makes sense. It'll be the the robot from uh from the tower. You'll have to do math again, <laughs> <laughs> right? They were working on on that. That's where we we left off with that stuff. He was just kind of chilling out in the uh, the tower in the lighthouse. Get ready for math, everybody. That's coming uh, back. 
<laughs> oh, gosh, that would be hysterical. Could you imagine, like, like, like normal mode is like, oh yeah, it's just you know sub- subtraction and addition, and then like, uh, they 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 release like an extreme version that's like multiplication, division, some square roots. Square roots, ah, my nightmare, my actual nightmare. That would be funny. Ultimate, we just we just have giant equations that just gives you five minutes. Yeah. You have to grab a Goodness. pen and paper and. <laughs> I think I've mentioned this before, but I have macros for all of those. Yeah. Um, I I can do the math, but my friends can't. Some of them can't. <laughs> so when we were doing that particular tier of 24, man, they're like, I'm going to go with you and you'll use your macro, right? Yeah, right? And I'm like, yes, you can go with me. <laughs> what, are, what, are, what are numbers and how do they work? <laughs> um, anyway, getting back on track here. Um, Going into the uh, Titania fight, uh, they talk a little bit about um, wanting to be mindful of the aesthetics of the fight because it's, you know, pixies and fairies and all this kind of stuff, this more traditional um, kind of fantasy vibe. And so that was something that they really wanted to push with the the design of the trial. Um, Innocence, they wanted to have uh, the the personality of the character come through. There's that transformation. Um, They, you know, wanted to add a little bit of... so dramatic. He is. He is super dramatic. dramatic. Um, give it a little bit of that kind of cinematic flair. Um, and one of the things they actually struggled with, and I appreciate that they took the time to, to mention this, because um, we've had this with other fights as well, where they struggle to make the effects properly visible, um, but also still kind of make sure that they have like this kind of <laughs> element of like light to them, right? I mean, I think I think effects and visibility, I immediately go back to uh, the first Shiva fight. Right with there's it's yeah, that blue, blue field and all the effects are like white on blue and it's just like what is happening? <laughs> what is going on? Yeah, there's a lot of just light explosion, rainbow vomit sometimes, and yep. all of that to be said, I actually do think that 14 is one of the more like clearly visible MMO indicator yeah. games, like especially once you get past that initial stuff because. Early on, they were still toying with, like, how do we make all the attacks look like they're unique to this boss? Like, Shiva comes to mind. Ifrit's, um, you know, like, you can get DPS puddles with Ifrit, but they oh, don't yeah. look like DPS puddles, like, the things that sort of pop up underneath us now as we know them. It's right. like this little crackling effect on the ground, and if you're not really paying attention, you're probably not going to even notice it until it explodes on you, and then most new players are like, what's happening? What? And they're running around in circles getting just obliterated by this thing. So, I mean, we definitely have gotten more visibility and more customization. Um, but, I mean, especially with Shadowbringers, yeah, dealing with light effects, I that had to be a beast because even just, like, progging right now E8S and some of those light phases, like light rampant, when all the light detonates on the field and you're like, where is my tether? What, do I have a line or do I have... Like, it is really tough to, like, have that aesthetic that's so important, but then also... Um, you know, make it so that players can clearly tell what's happening and respond to it. Yeah. I mean, and we, we talked about... is uh, the most difficult thing to see for me currently. It's not even in a light arena. It's in uh, Ruby Weapon. The, mm-hmm. the crackly junk that shows up uh, around the lines. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, 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 yep. Yeah. That one is spicy. You have to, like, know ahead of time exactly how the pattern kind of falls mm-hmm. and then basically already be in place, you know? Yep. <laughs> Yeah, and I mean, and and it's also too. I mean, when you talk about visibility, I think the we talked about this a little bit um, a few weeks back when we were talking about that lovely E seven fight up on the roof that I hate so yep. much, um, and the portals and all that stuff. And it's not just visibility, right? It's also um, 
they need to take considerations in for people that are colorblind as well. And so um, we did have somebody in our chat that said for, for that fight in particular, like the colors were spot on. It was super easy to distinguish them. Um, and so that's, you know, on top of just making it easy for the majority, right? There's also that group that needs, you know, with the colorblind options and stuff to be able to see that as well. And so whether it's, you know, just a straight up color or they change, um, I think the the Garuda, the sisters in Garuda, they they made the tethers different, right? If if memory mm -hmm. serves, um, to help distinguish that um, back back years ago, when they started to to introduce these um, kind of features, they had the the audio impaired option and, and all this kind of stuff. So there's a lot that goes into into designing these fights. I did also want to just like really fast, just lightly touch back on Titania. Because one thing that I loved about the designs that they did for this one, and um, I'm glad that they like touched on her as they went through all the sort of base Shadowbringers things, mm -hmm. um, is the fact that they actually like draw from Midsummer, the like Midsummer Night yeah. Dream, the actual mm -hmm. play for a lot of the designs in that fight, and like the ad phase are her three attendant fairies. Mm -hmm. um, that's where you get like yeah. the mustard seed and peas blossom, and um, I like I love the designs they did in that fight. It might have a few issues with like gigantic obstructing yes. your view hitbox boys. <laughs> yes. But like overall, thinking of how they've designed a lot of the different fights and drawn inspiration from it, it was really exciting to see them use that fairy canon because we see a lot of like world fairy tale influence. But interestingly enough, Final Fantasy XIV and a lot of its designs and a lot of its primals and things. Um, doesn't always go to, I guess, more of that like Western fantasy canon. Mm -hmm. And it was really fun to see some of that over yeah. on the first, I mean, with the fairies and, and the idea of the fae folk and all this stuff in mm -hmm. that zone. And then Titania being the queen of them. Um, mm -hmm. I loved the designs and the attention to detail they paid on that. I thought it was really, it was yeah, really neat, especially if you're a fan of Shakespeare. So, yeah, <laughs> I remember do, doing that fight at, at E3 because the expansion hadn't launched yet, right? So they're like, yep. come and play this new trial. And I can remember, you know, people developing strategies, right, as they're playing. Because the problem, I mean, the the, the battle challenges are great, but the biggest issue is always going to be the jobs that, you know, you need to find a group. You need to figure out what job yeah. you can play. You need to set up your hot bar. And it's a new expansion, so everything is different. <laughs> but you go oh, into this and sad. people are trying to figure out which ad to take down first. Um and you know we had, we had talked to Yoshida actually in our in our interview talking about how big the ads are, um, and we asked him you know like you know when you guys were making this like was there consideration to how big these things are because depending on how you have the camera it's hard to see, and and he, he I remember him telling us like it used to be worse <laughs> was his answer <laughs> like it used to be they, this is this is the better of of what they had so um yeah that was that was interesting go go read our review from e3 if you want to to see more of that but yeah it was it was interesting um there's you know so many things that go into all of these fights that they they tweak and change and adjust before we ever see them um going into uh the final boss for shadowbringers with hades um obviously we have the the two different phases here so we have the two different designs um the first one they wanted to give him kind of a, a great magician vibe so he's got uh you know the crystallized depiction of darkness which is like that zodiac uh, zodiac statue that we've seen before right in one hand and then the other hand he's got these kind of like ley lines wrapped around his arm and stuff um to kind of show that off um and then the the second form which is that kind of coming together of Asians and agents you have the the masks and all that kind of stuff with this he's just like this big huge thing um and i thought that was that was really cool 
Um, oh yes, and here we go back to back to the roof, back to the roof of Eden. <laughs> uh, uh, this one for E two uh, talking about the Voidwalker. Um, when Mogisan originally got the uh, the request for this, he actually thought that the Voidwalker was going to be a mount. Yeah, and so he initially made it. Uh, like a bird laying down, so the players would mount it. But then they got it. He, they figured, you know, he just they figured out, oh, it's a boss, and so they just put it upright. Yeah. <laughs> okay, I had done too I'm, much work already. I'm really curious what kind of information he gets right when you get this yeah. kind of a, a request, and it's like, oh, it's gonna be a mount, all right. And then it's like, oh, oh, <laughs> hmm. yeah, that's maybe, so maybe not. You would think they would say to him, like, this is going to be the second boss of this thing when you yeah. we were designing it. And it's funny because I'm over here like, oh, yeah, that one does have really interesting design. I mean, obviously, there's this feeling of almost being strung up and it looks a little cross-like or, you yeah. know, mm -hmm. like she's being, you know, sort of bound or held. But maybe she's also some kind of sacrifice, but she's mm -hmm. not really in control. And I'm in there, like, going through all of it. Like, yeah, let's break apart the visual metaphors of the design. He's like, I thought it was a <laughs> mount, so I made it so you could lay down on it. <laughs> Yep. It, it makes me it it genuinely makes me wonder because i i feel like like boss would be like at the top of whatever request form they give to the artist right yeah. so i they just I, left I, it out I, this one time i am a little curious like maybe originally that wasn't going to be the boss and later on they decided that's what it was going to be or you know like i mean so many things can change right yeah. i'm really curious how that kind of evolved for for that particular uh fight um, but anyway, uh, that is it for the uh, making of monsters video. Um, the next one we have up here, the fifth video, is the spawning of sounds. Um, and so obviously so this is talking so about, good. yeah, mm -hmm. so good. Um, as well as Go Kinua, uh, who is the sound designer for uh, for fourteen. Um, Sokin, obviously, we all know Sokin. He's the sound director and the composer. Um, wants to really make these emotional tracks that that grab at your heart. Um, as he says, so Sokin, who has he has an entire closet full of hats for for fourteen. He does the music, he does the audio features, promotional videos, and uh, he's doing all the concert series, which there's the primal concerts, the orchestra concerts. You're being literal. Like I don't think I've seen him wear <laughs> that just, many. Hats. Oh, yeah, he he wears a lot of yeah. Oh boy, uh, and of course he he does all of the all the uh, the soundtracks that come out as well. So it's a lot of stuff. He's always he's always super busy. This is um, mind boggling to me. We talked about this last week with some of the fashion, like the um, uh, gear design and things. Mm -hmm. I I can't believe. And of course, like you know, because of we we hear that you know, oh yeah, this is so and so who's blah 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 and does this mm -hmm. this and this. But when you think about Sokin, you think so much about the music. I honestly, until I saw this video, had not really spent that much time thinking about the fact that he also does and oversees all of this sound design for the right. game let alone the concert series i mean it's just when does he sleep yeah like when does this man exist and eat and sleep yeah. and do things it's um, if if you haven't wow. seen it yet um the uh the primal blu-ray that they came out with with the from from the the concert series there's a really cool behind the scenes uh video on there um and during one of one of these scenes behind you know as they're they're either going on soon or they're you know done with the concert and they're just kind of hanging out in the room he's got a portable blu-ray player and he's like checking 
the soundtrack stuff like at the venue <laughs> for the concert like he's that busy like it's it's nuts it is crazy okay. oh my yeah. gosh the best part uh, is when they make fun of Koji for being there. It's like, what are you doing here? You're like, you're just like a, a salary man. Like, what are you? <laughs> yeah, it's amazing to me that they all tackle so much. I mean, going all the way up to Yoshi and, and well, Yoshida-san. Um, it's it's pretty amazing to me um, because it does create this incredible coherence with the vision of 14, right? Mm -hmm. Or the vision of the game and the brand. But it also, I mean, that has to be so much work. And then you wonder about why, like, the tours and things are maybe a little bit limited or why the primals can't tour as much. But it's right. because of this. I mean, they're they're tackling all this stuff, even going to, uh, we were talking about, isn't it uh, Ishikawa-san, who also is sitting in, does all the writing, and then also sits in for the voice acting sessions. Mm -hmm. I mean, yep. there are so many powerhouses on this team it's really, really great to see them be recognized for just all of the stuff that they do right. in this game and, get, and get a little outside spotlight. of it. Yeah. Um, so uh, moving on to uh, Kinuya-san. Uh, um, so as the sound designer, he will make sound effects. So they show him actually in the room, you know, scraping metal things on other yep. metal things to make various uh, sounds and sound effects. Foley um, yeah. is amazing Foley. at, like, if you've never heard the term, I've never seen it done for movies and video games. It's just crazy. They'll just get like, sometimes they'll be watching the video and trying to figure out how to make the sounds that it should make. Like, uh, it, it's crazy. Like some uh, some videos that Skywalker Sound have put out about Foley and like their warehouse full of stuff yes. that makes noise. It's like, well, this makes the noise that is a Tie Fighter. This thing right here, you know, mm -hmm. it's it's just amazing. There was there was a, a really interesting uh, documentary. And this is tangent, right? But uh, mm -hmm. Star Wars, they when they did, uh, I think it was Republic Commando back in the day. Yeah. They actually did a behind the scenes uh, video showing off the different sound effects and their their room for where they do it is really interesting stuff. Coming up with these sounds, um, and and so uh, that's what uh, Kinuatsan is in charge of. Um, he also does uh, design specifications for sound playback. Um, helps to make sure that the production of sound elements are on track, and he is also involved in the debugging of those. So there's, I mean, it's you don't just do one thing. If you're on these teams, you do like five different things. Um, there's a lot. There's a lot going on. Um, one of the things that they they talk about too is again with Shadowbringers this this theme of light, and so how to depict that audibly was was something that they spent some time on um, because you want this kind of it, it's present everywhere but you don't want to make it pretty right because it's it's the villain of of this story so they um end up making it uh create this kind of pressure and an unease and they help to do that by emphasizing uh, a lower range of tones to create this kind of like suffocation feeling to it instead of you know it's ah you know choir and all this stuff you know it's just it's this more subdued kind of um, element and I thought that that was really and it's interesting to hear how they come up with this stuff right it's that whole idea again of what we traditionally perceive as like good and light and bad and dark um, and how they it's dealt with it uh, to see that it, that was pretty prevalent in all of the uh, the sections of stuff like we talked about it last week with the art section yeah. they specifically wanted oppression coming from everything that you see so far as to like go to Guam and study clouds so that they could yeah. make really thick clouds in the background. 
Yeah. Yeah. And you could really tell it with the music because there there wasn't that chorus like reverb. Like that that's what mm-hmm. when I watched this I was like, you know, there wasn't a lot of reverb. There was a lot of just like dull sound in in those in those type of areas where it was, you know, really bright or you're fighting a sin eater. It's just funny that, you know, even that is yeah, you're suffocating. There there's no echo. You know, right? Right. Yeah, it's, really it's incredibly, it's layered in this way that is so, it's it's subtle and yet has like an immediate effect, you know? It's not like you're walking around the zone and you have this like continuous, oh, you know, the traditional tension sound, which is the like, usually used to kind of like give constant, you know, like nails on a chalkboard almost repetitive sound. It is like mm-hmm. instead these washes that kind of lay underneath everything, and mm-hmm. I thought it was so clever because while they were talking about it in this in this portion of the documentary, they actually had one of those low tones like yeah. running underneath everybody talking while they showed stuff, and I think it mm-hmm. just so perfectly kind of encapsulated what you might be experiencing in the game without even realizing sometimes in some of those zones. Yeah. You know, one thing I, I wish they would have gone into a little bit more, um, they they talk about, in the in the sound video, they talk about the Sin Eaters, they talk about light, um, they talk about, you know, the jobs. Uh, we've already had um, them talk about the tracks for Amarat and the Tempest. Um, I really wish they would have gone into some of the other areas a little bit more. Like, I'm really curious to hear, like, what their idea was for, like, Amarang. Right, like for example, right? Like it's I know it's not some people's favorite, but I really like the track and I'm curious like where they pull, you know, how do they get the ideas for for a couple of these areas? Like you go to to Kalusia and like it sounds like something that would be in a mafia movie. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> like I don't know how else to describe it. It sounds like something you'd hear in a mafia film. Um huh. and so it's just I'm really curious, right? If you think about it, no, I mean, I'm not sure. I agree yeah. that it has a little bit. It it almost has a slightly more contemporary. I mean, like you're saying, it has a little bit more of a contemporary feel to it and and a liveliness to it, which is, it it is interesting because a lot of tones I think reflect stuff that's happening in the plot in a sense, right? And mm-hmm. so we get some scapes that are a little bit closer to just like a general feel. Like, I mean, the Rock Tika theme is just so good is the thing, but like, it also feels very much like the woods. Whereas I feel like Kalusia has a little bit more of a mix of reflecting like directly some of the influences. And you've got this weird thing there with Yulemore and like all this mm-hmm. stuff that makes it something just a little bit different. A beautiful village by the sea, you know? Yeah. It's, <laughs> it's very folksy in some way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, one of the things that they did talk about uh, was the keys for some of these uh, themes. So the, the Shadowbringers theme, um, it starts in minor, but then ends in major. Um, and so can said that if you actually listen to the lyrics, it kind of reflects that, that idea of, you know, how it changes with both lyrically and going and changing those keys out, which I thought was really interesting. Um, and then comparatively, um, you have Tomorrow and Tomorrow. Um, so Shadowbringers largely in minor key, but then Tomorrow and Tomorrow is largely in in, in major key. And they, they did this on purpose to show that difference. But then they also have the intro start out similarly in order mm-hmm. to show that, you know, this that idea of they start at the same place, but they also then differ, 
right? They change up and stuff. And I thought that was really, I mean, you, it, you don't think about how much work goes into some of this stuff. It's crazy. This part made me cry. <laughs> I'm oh. going to be completely honest. I'll be completely honest about this. I went to music school for anybody who doesn't know. So I actually studied mm. um, opera and musical theater. And, and I take a lot of music hated every single second of. But um, these details in music that affect us in ways that we don't even realize, but it creates this emotional shift. And these two pieces, um, talking a little bit about why we think or, you know, why they would focus on these over everything else to kind of explore in this in this uh, documentary. I think these two are the backbone of Shadowbringers because um, Shadowbringers is ultimately kind of a story of hope and, and of understanding and of overcoming tragedy and of love and of suffering. And like, there's all these themes in it that are so beautiful. Oh my God, they're just so good. And these two songs are so tied together, both with their musical motifs. So just like he's talking about, Sokan mentions the fact that they have similar melodic lines and sort of structures. But Shadowbringers itself does start in this minor, which, you know, can carry a sense of tension or sadness to it, longing, loss, and then shifts into something that at least at the end gives you this hopeful note. Whereas mm. Tomorrow and Tomorrow, just by its nature and its, and its you know, title even, carries that forward to this hope for the future. And the fact that, like, Tomorrow and Tomorrow plays in the Crystarium, it's the last hope of the people on this mm. world... And then you get that moment, and I've seen so many people when they do this playthrough of Shadowbringers for the first time, who get to the moment with Graha later on, with the sacrifice and these things here, um, and Tomorrow and Tomorrow plays, and they start sobbing. And they don't know why they're oh, sobbing. Yeah. And it's, it's because of this. It's because of the fact that these themes the whole time create and enforce this sense of tension and then give you this resolution of, of love and friendship in this major key that makes you hopeful even as you are grappling with this this sorrow and the little quote that he says in this i'm sorry the music nerd for a second like the little quote that he says <laughs> about this the fact that he also wanted this to be a narrative um the idea that we all started from the place but he goes on from the same place but he goes on to say that nobody starts out wanting to be a villain in their own story and i mm. oh mm. my god i cr i just cried <laughs> i just cried <laughs> Because you think about Ardbert, you think about all these characters that had hope for their people in their future, and Graha is just another in that line, and your character is just another in that line, and then you, like, it's just unbelievably yeah. good. And, I mean, even going to, like, the Hades fight and the resolution there with the reveals of Amarat, the idea that there are people who have lived in every generation that carry that hope forward for tomorrow and tomorrow and tomorrow. Like, I... I'm <laughs> getting emotional just thinking about it. But I think it's it's good, it's, yeah. You know, like it's something worth noting if you haven't actually like listened to those pieces. Yeah, I think it's really interesting too. I mean, you look at um when they've talked about expansions before, um, Yoshida likes to use that analogy of it's like a television show season, right? So you have this season, this is the story, and then they have that theme for that season. And so traditionally, right, Heaven's Word, Stormblood, you have that that one theme. But then with Shadowbringers, they have that. But then they kind of take it, right, with Tomorrow and Tomorrow, and they kind of tweak it a little bit. So it's that same, it, you have that same kind of feeling to it, but then it's different. 
and I think I think that's what really helps drive that 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 tune and that that last scene especially. It's that that familiarity, but then it's not the same thing anymore. And I think that's what really helps to to kind of drive that home. Even in the the case of when we get songs from other Final Fantasies or from earlier in the game, when we get a little remix of them, it it gives you like depending on on how it's done, it. it Generally, for me, at least, it gives you like this, ooh, I remember that. This is supposed to call back to that. So then having these two that are right. mm-hmm. so clearly the same but different is very impactful. Yeah. Um, they talk about, again, going back to that damn Tesline scene, um, <laughs> talking about how they want to do the effects for that scene, but they, you know, they want them to be grotesque and have it be ominous and scary, but also sad. Um, so we have that kind of melancholic uh, female voice in the in the background for this track, um, and they they talk a little bit about the the request that came in for the sound effects in the this. scene. Uh, <laughs> it was pretty vomit was the sound that they were going for. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Could you imagine like you work on sound? It's like all right, so this next one we need you we need you to make pretty vomit, huh? Yep. <laughs> like what what does that okay. sound like? Uh, all right. But that's what they did. They have pretty vomit. Yeah, I think they did it. <laughs> I think so. Yeah, yeah. I mean that that whole scene. Like, there's it's it's interesting because you know we we joke right how all these videos are talking about the Tesline scene, but it's I think it's really important to to see just how much work goes into just just this one cutscene. There's all these other cutscenes in the game, and it pays but, off. It's super impactful. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you know all these cutscenes in, in in Shadowbringers were so good. I mean, you have the writing team, you have the animation team, you have the sound team, you have the character design team, the monster. Like all of these people are touching these scenes. Um, it's just it's it's crazy. You don't you know you don't think too much about it, right? Of of how much work can go into this stuff sometimes. But there's a lot uh, that that goes into every one of these scenes. Um, Getting into Amarat a little bit, I was I was I was a little hype when when they started talking about Amarat. Not gonna lie. Yeah. Um, so if if you guys haven't seen it already, the uh, panel from uh, Pax West uh, this this past year talked a little bit about the Tempest and the the music and stuff in that. So make sure to check that out if you haven't already. That should be somewhere on on Twitch or YouTube. Um, but this is they're actually talking about the the actual dungeon here now. Um, and so if you think back to to the actual dungeon Amarat, there's a lot going on, right? Um, you have uh, explosions. There's pe- there's buildings falling down. There's people fleeing. There's the the narration from Emmett Selk. There's battle sounds. Monsters and so, phasing into existence. Right. There's a lot of stuff going on. Um, and so um, they had to evaluate which sounds are louder and when and how to draw focus on certain things. And it, they, you know, they, they, yeah, they they said they spent a lot of time making adjustments. Um, and, and, and tweaks to this. I mean, because there's a lot of stuff. If they just had everything go at the volume that it would, yep. na- you know, figure quotes, naturally be, right? Like, you would be able to distinguish anything. It would just be this loud noise. Like, you wouldn't be able to, to pick out things. So they had to go in and say, okay, at this scene, the building falling will be louder. At this scene, this will be loud. Like, there's a lot of, of balancing there. And on top of that, it's it's in a video game. I mean, like, it's easy to do that in a movie when you just play it when it's oh, yeah. supposed to be played, period. Like, video games and sound, when you have to think about when it gets triggered and when you trigger that sound on top of this one, and then this one's going to play. And that's why they had to tweak it so much. Well, and then, like, and then don't do forget, all of this? 
what direction you're facing yeah. if you're turned a certain way because they do that um yeah. i mean yeah it's a lot of stuff <laughs> um they go into some of the sound uh design stuff that they do for uh the different jobs talking about how they want to make sure that the uh, sound conveys the unique characteristics of each job um so for dancer it was this very kind of glamour and style based concept so they wanted to have a lot of like musical sounds but they couldn't just put in music because the animations for the you know the abilities are so short themselves so what they did is they use different percussion instruments and then they would edit those in to fit uh you know the different steps and abilities and stuff um and i thought that was really that was really interesting i mean going back and looking at um you know bard in 11 for example right is is kind of the opposite of that where these cast times are a little bit longer there's actually a like a bard song in 11 and all the instruments play that same tune, but they all sound different, but it's that yeah. same. It's really interesting, um, but they can't do that with 14. It's a little more, it's a little more fast paced. Um, Gunbreaker. I was it? I think they nailed dancer. The, I mean, yeah. that's, it's one of the more memorable soundscapes of a job for me, I think in the game even. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting. I wonder if they were to design and release Bard now, if there would be, I mean, thinking about you talking about Bard there, like if there would be different design considerations for the class almost with the sounds now mm -hmm. versus then in some ways, uh, because Bard does have that musical twist. And yet I almost feel like Dancer is more musical in and of itself to me. Yeah. Like when mm -hmm. I listen to it, because I hear the like the bells and the tinkling and the tambourine sounds and the, mm -hmm. you know. Right. Bard does have uh, the little music cues when you play a yeah. song, but there's like four of them and you get them randomly it's not like yeah. a sound plays for each individual thing i i yeah. think it would be very interesting to go back in time a little bit i you know i think the way the reason that we have bard at all right now is because back in 1.0 when yoshida came in they wanted something kind of supporty and they're like we can take this guy with the bow and somehow turn the bow into a harp and that's our support ish class yeah and that that you know it, it wasn't you know because because i would think you know bar uh archer into ranger right i oh, think yeah. would make more sense but they're like all right we need to do something here and that's how we ended up with what we have i mean gosh i still remember bard's limit break being the yep. full the full party <laughs> res back in the day right um sometimes but, uh, i miss that every now and yeah. then <laughs> yeah it does it does come up so every so often um they they talk a little bit about uh gunbreaker um and say that you know they can't just take sounds directly from eight um and they had so they had to make the weapon i Different different systems of sound <laughs> is what they said. Um, so they had to make it so that the, the weapon fits into the world of 14. Um, talking about how each of the uh, tanks have their own kind of distinct sound. Like Warrior has a lot of weight behind their sounds because of the axe. Uh, Dark Knight is this kind of mysterious, creepy, dark feeling kind of sounding tank. Um, so for Gunbreaker, because the it's not a huge sword, right? So they want to make it sound swift, but then it also has kind of a mechanical sound. Um, but then it also has the gun, so they have these explosive noises for that as well. And and so those are the different types of, of sounds that they worked on for Gunbreaker to, to help it so that um, all the tanks were distinct and, and nothing really overlapped with one another. Um, I would have loved if they had taken just a minute to talk about the sound change for Gunbreaker during this mm. right because we all know it's a thing that happened um but but they didn't so yeah <laughs> i don't know i'm still mad about the the overall battle noise change mm. they uh they gave my character voice a very annoying sound <laughs> yeah. 
Oh, mm. I just I know, know the terrible Vera disaster. What yeah. is <laughs> that one voice oh. that was just? <laughs> that's that's the one good thing about being a caster. Like you don't make any noises. Like maybe every once in a while you get like a book clap, and I think that there's a noise, but like it's just the spell casting noises, and they just. Yeah, I'm glad that they talked about job sounds because, as a player who 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 plays a job like as we all do, you get used to those sounds and you know yeah. by sound cue when something has ended and you should press yep. another button or, and you get used to these sounds and there's even a different you know like oh it impacted okay now I can do that you know yeah. me like, all the really time cool. when I'm on a different job, and mm. somebody else is playing the job I normally play right mm. I'm like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Why did I just do that? Oh, I'm not on that job. <laughs> a noise that will never leave my brain is Swiftcast. So when I hear yep. Swiftcast, I'm like, okay, I don't need to res someone's on. Like, <laughs> literally. The benediction noise. Yeah, that too. Every yeah. time I hear that one, every single time. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, what what sounds does Caster make? Like, you know, if you're like scholar or or summoner, like occasionally, like maybe your wrist is sore from holding the book like that for a long time. They're just like, ah, <laughs> like I, just, what else? <laughs> I mean, depending. Like, some of the casters are more physical than others. I mean, yes. Red Mage sure. comes to mind, obviously, mm -hmm. because you do yeah, have a yeah, yeah. kind of element. Um, so there's definitely some there. White Mage, interestingly enough, has more physicality with some of mm -hmm. the, like, I lift into the air. Flip it around. I do, like, little, little swirly twirl. I do. <laughs> like, <Yeah. laughs> that one has some stuff. Um, but it's funny because I don't think really any of those sounds stick with me so much as Benediction and the stone sound. Oh, yeah. I do. I can mm. hear the stone sound in my head. Um, summoner, though, you're right. Like summoner and scholar. Scholar maybe Just has not. some more audio cues, but the, I don't. I feel like I Astro has a lot. There's a lot yeah. of yeah. tingling yes. going on yes. with Astro. The sound of like um, when you're <laughs> like sparkly stars. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Like card sounds. Mm -hmm. For summoner, like the most, the noises that you get used to the most are like pet sounds, and mm -hmm. then like Bahamut and Phoenix. Like, Okay, I hit a button. Mm -hmm. I heard Bahamut's little rushing noise, so it reacted cool. You know, like it, it's well, which is funny because the pets make a lot more noise than you do. <laughs> they do. Yeah. yeah, I can hear now that you say that. I can hear Phoenix's like, yeah, exactly. With the like, as he comes <laughs> on the field, you know. Yep. Yeah, yeah. I think maybe. I mean, that makes sense. I guess in some way for Summoner, because I guess the focus really should be more on the entities that you are channeling yeah. and like using. Um, but that does create a kind of interesting dilemma with the, like, with how Summoner plays in 14. Mm. It is kind of different than a lot of other, uh, like, envisionings of Summoner, right? Whether, like, the caster kind of gets turned into the primal and, and then kind of vanishes from the field, or there are these other things. Like, when you are playing Summoner in 14, there are still things that you are doing independently with that book that is just sort of going on, and then your pets kind of, you know, are, are out there. So that would actually be an interesting class to hear them talk about because they, they didn't talk about that one specifically. But I'm kind of curious now how they try to give that one its own unique thing, you know? Yeah. And it's going to be more of a thing in the future when, you know, whatever jobs we get going forward, there's going to have mm. to be probably more magical ones. Just thinking about it if, you know, we didn't yeah. need a healer. I mean, you know, usually it's it's magical. So I wonder what they would Are do. Are you excited? That. Do a little dance there. Give me that healer. Give me the healer class. Well, just I'm it's gonna be it's totally gonna be a chemist now, like the least magical healer yeah, possible. Just, just because gonna... now that you've said that, yeah. 
Look, I'll be... even take chemist at this point. Give <laughs> all me a sorts of, game. Uh, all sorts of like liquid pouring yeah. sounds, right? Or that's like, that's what? the next shattering, shattering glass. Yeah. Stone Bubbles. Cold Steve Austin, you know, like the beginning <laughs> of that track. <laughs> oh, the healer's here. <laughs> well, oh my gosh. Well, It'll be at the top of, of of the of the list that they submit to the sound design team. Yes. This is what we're going for with with chemist. Um, they talk a little bit about um, the work that they do for the cinematics. They talk about the uh, opening cinematics that they do. Um, how they work with the Hollywood company for that. Um, they've done that since 1.0. Um, yeah. They talk a little bit about the Gremlin in uh, in the Shadowbringers <laughs> opening, which is great. Um, this was so, so good. Yeah, this was really interesting. Like, of all the things, like, you want to hear about, right? Like, as soon as they started talking about this, it's like, yeah, how did they come up with that? Um, they needed to figure out how to do that gremlin sound effect, but nobody knew what to do for it. Um, and so one of Soken's uh, junior team members was, you know, couldn't really figure it out. He was, you know, saying he might try to record, uh, you know, hire somebody to record a voice in some kind of, you know, single universal language or whatever that they can use. Uh, but nothing was working. Um, Soken was like, you know, just keep trying. We'll figure it out. Eventually, uh, <laughs> one weekend while he was at home without trying to disturb his family, he locked himself in his closet and just recorded what he thought a gremlin might sound like. And no. that's what they used. <laughs> this, this, is so, this is an important note. And tell me if I'm wrong, because I don't know. But from what I remember from the video, wasn't it Soken and this junior member of his team, and they locked themselves in a closet, like together? So I, I think I think it was just the one. I think it was just the one guy. Um, obviously, they, they did a lot of edits to it. I mean, it's possible that they added something else, but yeah, it's just. It that's just, how they the did idea, it. The idea of him trying to make this gremlin voice. And it was like when I first saw the trailer, that gremlin was fascinating to me. Like, it's right. Voice, it's creepy, but it's interesting. As somebody who had done a fair amount of hunts, um, there's I've, the gremlins have always been really intriguing to me because they kind of hang around um, the Nymian or you know, the city Nim. And there is like a hunt gremlin. What is his name? I don't remember it. There's a hunt gremlin that you can find that like is around those ruins. And so they have always had these ties to this like light aspect. But we don't have any gremlin characters. Like there's there's nothing, not even in Shadowbringers. Like I thought there was going to be some weird little gremlin that was popping up throughout the whole thing after that trailer. Yeah. But it's yeah. It was really interesting to have them choose that creature as like this voice for what yeah, was yeah. going on. And that's always and the thing so with these perfect. with these early trailers. They have all these lines, and then it's like all these things the gremlin says in the trailer. That's like stuff Emmett Silk says later. On. Yeah. <laughs> it's like that's we, uh, not right. The gremlins in uh, Amdapur. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's, Am it's Amdapur. They uh, Amdapur. they yep. cast they you're cast right, right. Uh, misery. I think it's something like misery or, or something. Yeah. It's it's something along those lines. Uh, they put a debuff on you that makes you upset. So it makes sense that in this trailer, it's this little gremlin guy who's the one who's being like, yeah. "You're it's, totally it's really bro. yeah." It's really interesting because I mean I can remember at FanFest and here watching this because the gremlin was in that that first teaser that we got, um, and it starts talking. And I remember my first thought was being like, "Oh great, now Koji's made a gremlin language too," <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, I, mean, I thought it. I thought it was cool. That's the first thing I thought yeah. of when I saw it. I was like, "Oh, it's, they already." You know, it's like, happened. wow, like like monster voices. Like that's that's a thing, right? Like that's wild. Because mm -hmm. I mean, you don't always get uh, 
you know, it was a very different type of trailer than what we've been used to. And mm -hmm. so, you know, it starts off, you have this gremlin talking, you're just like, what is going on? Right. It was... You know, why is, why is the Warrior of Light wearing that 1.0 armor? Like, that was what got me going. Like, when you see that that kind of generic adventurer armor in the in the shadow. Oh, my gosh. It was it was good. Such a good, tra <laughs> such a good trailer. I love that trailer. Just yeah. to add on to it, uh, I work with someone who worked on the trailer, uh, who worked at that Hollywood company, and mm -hmm. they were so confused. What is this thing? Why? What is it talking about? What is this game? Because they, they had no idea, you know, a lot of times. Sure, sure. Sort of it's just they a client. Like, You're just doing whatever yeah. they need you to do. And what yeah, is this yeah. gremlin? So, like, uh, we were talking about stuff we had worked on, and he mentioned that. And I'm like, let me tell you. I happened to play that game. <laughs> That's really cool. That's so good. Oh, my gosh. Um, just imagine, like, why gremlin, though? I don't know. So, like, two years later, yeah. you're like, let me explain that thing you worked on. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was an interesting choice for him of all of all the things in that trailer to be the voice. But there's something about it that's so it it just feels so right even now, you know? Um like the gremlin almost it has this kind of like mocking energy, but it also is this like weird unnatural thing. Yeah. And there's I mean there's so much in Shadowbringers that has that same kind of quality to it that I I still remember that like ridiculous little fuzzball even now after yeah. having actually played the expansion. Yeah. It's always really interesting too, because I mean obviously they they put in the order. I mean I, I guarantee you right now they're working on the, the cinematic opening for whatever 6.0 is, right? So they already have that story boarded and they're working on it right now. Um but things change so much. Like you know, if, if they had kept that in there, I just, I imagine I was just coming into the first for the first time and this gremlin just sit there in a chair with his popcorn, like, oh, you're going to get it. Like as this yeah. giant thing comes down and descends. And um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's wild how many things can change. I mean, thinking back to that, that 1.0 trailer back in the day, right? You have the, the, the Lominson Aetherite mm -hmm. that isn't where it was because once they so started to actually make Limsa, they're like, that's not a really good place for it. Yeah. <laughs> oh man um this is uh arguably in the best place I mean, well i mean i think i think originally right it was the the idea of it it was gonna be a too high of a traffic area back when when leave quests were the only form of quests in the game mm -hmm. they didn't want to put it right next to the leave counter and so they had it kind of off over by where like the uh where the 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 grand company thing is now i think is where the 1.08 right was kind of over that way but, Ish, yeah uh, Anyway, <laughs> um, the last thing they talk about with the sound video is the voice of the ancients. Um, some more, some more fully sounds here. They wanted to um, make them appear gentle and, and instead of scary or overbearing, um, and you know, because they had to consider the lore when making the, like a the sound. Really soothing Charlie Brown adult noise. Mm -hmm. You are so right. You are so <laughs> right, and you have ruined it for me now. I'm sorry. <laughs> I I would just like to say what she said. Yeah, yeah, I just every time if they bring it that voice back down, I'm just gonna hear wah wah wah. <laughs> Damn it! I'm sorry. No, it's but all your honestly, fault. that's kind of brilliant yeah. because like when you think about why they probably did that in Charlie Brown, right? It's like the idea that almost as children, like we almost exist in our own bubble. Yeah. 
and mm -hmm. you can't um, fully understand. You don't fully understand the context, or even care to fully understand sometimes the full context <laughs> of what's happening around you. And like parents or adults are saying things that go over your head in a lot of ways, which is so spot on for yep. like the ancients, like talking to the to the player character who it is literally called a child multiple times mm -hmm. as you go through that zone. Mm -hmm. Zen, that's brilliant. I can't believe I didn't draw that parallel before. That's amazing. I will be the heart of Zodiac. Jeez. I'm sorry. It's 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 you know cannot unhear now. It's is it's just that's how it's just always gonna be. Um, and so for the sound, uh, one of the the colleagues on the team uh, recorded their own voice, added the effects, um, and they played around with the pitch a little bit, and that's how they got the sound for the ancients the more you know uh and that was it that was the end of the uh sound video um the last video here is building the battles so we've got uh masaki nakagawa um who is the lead battle content designer um they talk about being uh mindful of players getting bored with the same old fights um and so they give examples of uh things that they've done to to kind of help change that formula up uh talking about that second fight in the copied factory which is you know that's where you know you're all on a different platform and it's i i thought that was an interesting example too um right but it, it was it was really interesting too because they they talk about it not for one of the reasons i thought they would um obviously they they, they mention all the different mechanics but um it's one of those things where you're not even looking at the boss for that fight yeah. you know you're purposely turning your camera and looking at just the mechanics and i thought i thought they would at least mention that like if you know a casual mention but uh, they just mm. talked about oh there's mechanics on different platforms and hopefully it'll make it feel like a different fight each time i'm like i mean like that's part of it <laughs> um, i like the idea of that a lot I think yeah. the idea of having fights that are multifaceted and that can be different each time you go in or like from a different perspective, I, I do really like that. It's tough in something like Copied Factory because you have so many players that there's always that fine line of it being something that people can understand enough on mass <laughs> that you can like get through it. But like also it's just like there's this there's this balance. You want it to be challenging but not you know, not something that is going to, in theory, halt entire runs over and over and over. Um, but I do hope that they do like more of this in some of the other variations of content because it's fun to see, yeah, like different perspectives on the same encounter, I guess. And, and it gives it, I mm -hmm. think, a kind of a fun replayability in certain ways um, as you kind of learn or master it. Um, it's, it's maybe not my most memorable 24 man mm -hmm. fight. Mm -hmm. Sure. But like, I, I like them talking about what they were trying to do with that. I think it, it is a, a cool idea. For mm. me, it was the most memorable because I uh, wrote Gamerscape's guide for it. And it's really annoying to break down a fight that can be different every time. I mean, look. If this yes. platform, do this combo. <laughs> if this platform, do this combo. Over and over and over again. But um, that also, for me, made it kind of fun. So, Yeah. Uh, I, I think the mechanics are probably also a little bit more simplistic than some other fights yeah. so that you don't have people just crashing and burning every time they go in because maybe they get a platform they've never seen before. Oh yeah. man, I got I got A and B platform a billion times when I was trying to do this guide and it, it took me like eight tries to get platform C. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> That's how it is. <laughs> um, 
Nakagawa uh, talks about uh, his role. So for his role, he oversees everything battle content. Um, so he gets to do the final check for everything uh, to make sure that it's, it's of the highest mm-hmm. quality. Um, and we have Siyoshi Yokozawa, um, the lead battle uh, system designer, um, comes up with different calculations for battles. Um, and if they are creating new gameplay elements, he handles designing the various systems associated with that content. So that's a lot of a lot of stuff. That's a lot mm-hmm. of stuff. Um, he says that they're the behind-the-scenes guys when it comes to the world of battle content. Um, they spend a little bit of time going over trusts. Um, and so it, with trusts, there's the, the three major projects, right? First, you have the elements outside of the actual content. So you have the NPC growth, the entering of dungeons, the UI, that kind of stuff. Then you have the structuring of the AI's basic combat movements within the content. And then on top of that, you have uh, the systems that kind of govern or process the controls for the NPCs, including how they process different mechanics um, and the dialogues that they say. They actually talk about um, how they use the, the, the Gambit system as a base for this. Um, and this is something that they've talked about before, um, I believe, with the Chocobo Companions back early, early on and like right before 2.0 landed, um, how there's that, that kind of Gambit system as a base. Um, and I mean, realistically, it's just a name drop. I mean, it's just AI programming, <laughs> right? When you yeah. look back at, you know, if health below this, then that, like it's, you know, but they're, they're yeah. name dropping Gambit because they it can. It is a, a huge state machine, as it's called. It's like, you just keep checking what state you and the enemies are in. And then if it's this, do that. If it's that, do this, you know, yep. some things override it, put it, start it again, you know, that sort of thing, um, which yeah. is the way it usually works. Yeah, you're right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. But I like uh, that they do refer to the Gambit system because mm-hmm, the Gambit mm-hmm. system is very divisive in the history of yeah, Final Fantasy. Definitely. Um, but it is really interesting to me because I think like as the years have gone on, 12 is one of those games that more and more people, especially with things like the re-release with that sort of mm-hmm. like remaster that they yeah. did and stuff, um, where they, they got rid of some of the things that make the game arduous or like gave you ways to kind of speed up some of that repetition yeah. and grinding of zones. But, like, the idea of putting that kind of AI control into players' hands and then letting them use their own ingenuity to essentially build Mm -hmm. these little automated processes to create, like, the perfect battle system is really, really creative. And it completely broke a lot of the traditional Final Fantasy combat methods. And I know people who went on to become programmers. I mean, my husband went on to become a programmer. And some of the first times that he remembers, like, actually really getting excited about a game and, like, that kind of logic was playing Final Fantasy XII, which is something you just don't even think about. Um, yeah. So to go back and use that Gambit system as a base, I I don't know if they'll ever give us, like, the option with trust. I mean, we don't really know, yeah. again, like we were talking about earlier, mm-hmm. just how much they're going to use this as, like, a feature and how much it's just going to be, mm-hmm. like, a convenience if you need to run something. But, I mean, using the Gambit system in the discussion makes me wonder if at some point, hey, maybe there will be abilities or behaviors you could control for your, yeah. for your trusts. And you yeah. could say, like, hey, I want, I want you to do this, this, or this when I'm running it. And you could have your own kind of custom team yeah. party command. That would be really could, neat. You could level them up and then unlock you know, like Alice would not steal the limit break because you used her, you know, more often. <laughs> there you than, go. You know, like there you go. But <laughs> yeah, I have the exact opposite experience. I am oh, a programmer. No. I hate the Gambit system. <laughs> I hated it in 12. I no. can't be 12 because of it. 
but the reason is, and this this is the difference. In 14, I can't control them at the same time. It's not turn-based, right? Yeah. And in 12, it's not turn-based, but I wanted it to be. And that's why I hate it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I will I will but never I forget playing 12 and you know there was the optimization gear button and hitting that and having you know certain characters will buff and all this stuff Mm -hmm. and for whatever reason i could not get protect to stick (laughs) (laughs) and i just remember for like days playing this i'm like i don't know what the hell is going on i thought my game was bugged no they had diamond armor on which has reflect yep I can remember. Um, doing I had I had the biggest like I'm dumb like moment after <laughs> after looking. I'm just like oh my god this game. But I mean I. The worst was when you would put in like contradicting commands, yeah. and yes. then you'd be like, why aren't you healing? And then you'd realize there was something that you had put in there that like completely nullified the other thing. Like, it's it's wild. I I remember people setting it up to go into the uh, the sand sea right, and they would just. Yeah let it run overnight because they had their gambit set up in a certain way where they could just farm over. like it's wild are you sensing a trend with the things that i don't like eureka is fun because you could just watch netflix huh <laughs> well i wonder if a whole battle system made so that you don't have to interact it with it would be something that i enjoy no i hate it i hate it but in 14 <laughs> it'd be great because you can't control right. them at the same time yeah, yeah. i would love yeah. to set up gambits for them that makes sense here Absolutely, because then you're right. You could dictate your own preferences in a dungeon. Mm. And then there would also be a reason to really go through and level those companions. Because if you could unlock, like, further tiers of customization, if you could really, like, streamline exactly what you would want for, like, a run or something. Mm. um, Yeah, or if there were even, like, additional things where by the nature of building your trust with them, you know, you could could work with it a little bit. That would be so neat long term. Um, I would would love that. I think that would be a really cool thing to sort of add a little more to that whole experience if they wanted to develop it as content i think there's definitely room for for more rewards with trust i mean right now you get costumes and that's like that's it like eh. yeah it's one of those things it's it's rewarding for the people that play that content but Mm -hmm. it's it's giving them i mean yeah you get the trust like the trust with the dungeons each patch now but i i don't know it feels weird there needs to be more incentive i think to to use them other i mean or does there right i mean it's already there for a convenience reason yeah. right like do you really yeah. need more reason to use they want people in duty finders I, yeah you know. i think it just depends on them right like i think it's fine just as convenience mm-hmm. but i do also think like if they want it especially not they're adding stuff like new game plus in you know they're adding these things into it that are kind of um almost bringing back that sense of a single player jrpg experience And if they continue to sort of develop that out in any kind of way, which they could also be doing looking at the longevity of the game long term, like, oh, hey, Mm -hmm. when we start going into decline and players may not have as many options or things, can we put stuff in and in place for them so that they can do this story and they can have, you know, a really cohesive narrative experience regardless of population? Of course, this is like far off in the future. but You know what I mean? Yeah, um, I think they could easily put some of those things in to sort of buff it out to create more of an actual content from it if that's something that they felt like doing. I think I think uh, it's going to be challenging because they, I mean, the way that they they talk about it, I mean, it's it's not just oh, it's like gambits and stuff. They they have to go in and they have to program the AI for every specific dungeon, and I think mm-hmm. that 
is part of why we're getting one dungeon a patch is because the, the battle team's got this other stuff that they need to work on now with the trust system. It's a lot of extra programming. You're right. You're right. As I mentioned earlier, um, I haven't done trust at all. So I'm kind of glad that there's no special uh, reward sure. from it. Uh, and, and like we've been saying, it's more for convenience for people that d like don't necessarily have people that can go with them all the time or yeah. aren't getting into or, or, or if you if you want just just a, just a little modicum more of, of immersion yes right yeah. um i kind of wish i think i would i would be more likely to use it if uh you could go in with like a friend so it was like you a friend and two mm. trusts i yep. i realized that that would make it way more complicated but yeah. I think if they did implement that at some point, it would be cool. Or if you could yeah. go with a friend and both have trust, so like you have the entire team and do eight-man content, that might be interesting. We we had asked Yoshida about that, I think, at E3, before the expansion launched. Um, and he was just like, no. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no, I, no. I forget I forget the, ex the exact answer, but I know we did ask him about that. The idea of if you're playing with, with a friend or something, can you still do trust? He's like, no, mm -hmm. because too hard and stuff it's yeah, it's they yeah. already they don't adjust to you already like they'll they'll heal you because you're not they're they're, they're programmed to be there with two other trusts they're not programmed yeah. to be there with one other trust yeah. and two players yeah yeah because because yeah. of how specific that programming is per instance yeah if then if then yeah, if then. <laughs> yeah. um let's see where were we um they talk a little bit about um don't meg when you get to the boss uh they have that tightrope bridge <laughs> Um, yeah. And talking about how he thought it'd be uh, a good opportunity there to let some personalities come through with the trust, um, you know, talking about uh, Thanker just you know jumping over the gap, and then you have uh, Reen like taking her time walking across the the bridge. Um, I mean, gosh, I remember, I remember doing the little balance thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was it was wild. I mean, I can remember Don Mig was the the dungeon we had access to uh, on the media tour, and so I remember going through with with trust to try out trusts. And you get to that part of the dungeon and you're just like, oh my god, like what is this mechanic? And then you just see like Alfie No just like tiptoeing across the <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was really funny. Um and I, and I feel like we we haven't had any you know, again, we talked about this a little bit earlier with Tesla and Ali say. Um I think this this dungeon in, in Don Meg is that that's really yeah. One of the, the only big kind of like personality trust moments, I think, out of the entirety of five point so X. Yeah. yeah, yeah. The rest That's is just bubble text. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I mean, hmm. I I wouldn't. Yeah, I feel like probably with the preparation for an X pack, and and knowing like exactly what you know here are the, you know what we're putting together, and this is the point in the narrative. This is the experience. I feel like we might see more of those within an X expansion with trusts. But you're mm -hmm. right. Yeah. There actually haven't been as many details, but. I, mean, I guess there have been some moments and things where the character probably reacted a certain way, but we mm -hmm. also, I don't think, have had it as... I'm trying to think of any right now. Well, there's also I, with I Don Meg, right? With that, that tightrope. As defense, or as, like, distinctive. Yeah, like, I don't think... Well, there's, it, there's, other... there's the distinctive angle, and I think there's that... It, because of that mechanic, the, the fight itself slows down a little bit, and you don't have that in any sure, other yeah. dungeon. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really interesting, too. I mean, I don't know what the order of development was, right? But, like, going through the MSQ, uh, Don Meg is, like, a, you know, it's it's not the first dungeon. And mm -hmm. so it's it's odd, you know, if it was, like, maybe the first couple of dungeons had this kind of period where the trust kind of showed a little bit of personality, and then later on they didn't, just because you could understand, oh, maybe as they went through, they didn't have the time for it, they understood how long it took to do that. Okay, sure, but it's, like, 
the sec what second dungeon I think is is Don Meg, second or third, so. and so second. it's like yeah it's like you get in a little bit and then they do this thing and then they never do it again and so that's kind of odd. Um, hopefully we we see more of this, um, but you know again it comes down to to cost and resources and yeah. schedules. You know what I don't think that anybody else can do the same thing Thancred did. I think you can jump from spot on the bridge to spot you on the can't. bridge, but you can't jump off the bridge anywhere else. You no. can't, like, Shikuchi, or you can't dash. No, you no. can't, because I... He's special. What was I doing? Mm -hmm. I feel like I tried to do it on a class that had some kind of gap closer at some point, like, early on when the X-Pack was released, and mm -hmm. just, like, on stream, dumped myself directly into the pit. And I remember <laughs> the humiliation. I tried to dash. <laughs> I, I, I feel like in, in the back of my mind, I've tried to elusive jump, but I don't remember what the outcome was. <laughs> I definitely tried to rescue yeah. somebody at some point and then killed them and then felt very bad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You're one of those rescue mages. I see. <laughs> I didn't mean to, I swear. Well, I made to pull you into the pit of despair. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> Come on over and die. Leviathan's prime killing grounds if you're a mm -hmm. healer. You know? Oh yes. Mm -hmm. <laughs> the one thing this is such a this is such a footnote. The one thing that does drive me crazy is um, the fact that like we have these a lot of these abilities that could be in theory like used to negate a lot of these mechanics or get through them or like rescue. I'm thinking about E8S if somebody for, forgets to look away and gets stunned and you can't actually rescue them. And I'm like, why do we even have rescue? Them? Right. <laughs> like, these are the situations in which I would use this, but mm -hmm. Meme okay. memeable deaths is the only reason we have rescue. I don't meme mm -hmm. death. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah. I use it so often in copied factory, especially in the third yeah. fight during like the the side punches where yep. people just true. don't get out of the way. You here? <laughs> Why are you standing there? That's where the fist is gonna land. That's gonna hurt. Don't get hurt. Um. Or if somebody is off in the ass end of nowhere, it's like, do you not see me AOE healing right now? You, here. No, they don't see you. Nope. Not at all. <laughs> don't blind. I don't see anything. No. Yeah. I can't see it. Um, okay. Some of the stuff that you talk wish. about, too, here with the trust um, is, again, a little bit of personality, right? Uh, talking about the example for Ali Say, um, how her personality, right? She's more of an attacker, but... Um, you know, if if there's some issues with with HP, she can jump in and and heal a little bit. Um, you know, one one thing I was really surprised here too—they didn't talk about. I don't think um, is Ali say will always limit break if you've got yeah. any any LB charge, right? And and they've talked about this a little bit—the idea that oh, she's in a party with the Warrior of Light and she wants to show off. And hey, look, I can <laughs> limit break. Look at look, look what I can do. Um, but uh, I thought that was interesting. Um, Nakagawa-san uh, goes on to talk about uh, that the system itself wasn't difficult to build, yeah. but trying to showcase the personalities and make sure that their traits uh, show in their actions, that was where the, the real challenge was. And I think, yeah. especially, right, I mean, you, you look back at 2.0 and Yishtola was like a healer. <laughs> Yuri Anjay mm -hmm. just didn't yeah. really have a job. Um, and, and as each expansion went along, they the characters developed a little bit more um but you know they didn't really have like a strict job association for for some of them and so i think as we kind of went through stormblood a little bit right we have oh ali say is a red mage now right they kind of hinted at that a little bit in heaven's word but we're like oh what is what is this oh no it's red mage now because red mage is actually here mm -hmm. um 
so it was really interesting you know they they come up with with shadowbring and it's just like okay everybody needs to have a job now because we have a trust system and they need to right. be able to be used in that and so that i thought was was really interesting some yeah. of them toe the line a little bit like Thancred especially because he's yeah. a the gunbreaker but he's also a ninja mm-hmm. sub jobs when i don't know never <laughs> yeah I'm sure the balancing team won't have any issues with oh, that. Oh, yeah, that would be a nightmare. Um. <laughs> yeah, he says he says it's difficult, and as we just discussed, it doesn't always show up. So, uh, hmm. sorry, team, keep trying. Yeah. yeah, it's always the nuances of the AI. Because yeah, it, it's not hard to say if this do that, but there's so many on top of each other, like yep. layered, and then you also want to show something. So specifically for this, in this specific time, when they're with this person, like it starts getting crazy. So. Yeah, they, they they could do this. It shows the personality, or yeah, because that one person's below thirty percent HP, they could cure them, yep. and then you could not wipe. So which one mm-hmm. would you rather have? Exactly. It's all about priorities. Um, they went well, and time. they talked a, li- a little bit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, talking about the new jobs, um, having the flow of fitting uh, in a new job. Um, involving the, you know, finding out what specific kind of mechanisms they want to use and identifying the unique personality and characteristics that they have. Um, so for Gunbreaker, for example, they use cartridges, and that core concept involves uh, having these explosive and slashing actions. So they wanted to stick closely to that and make these slashes look powerful. Um, so they wanted to give the job uh, kind of a DPS uh, feel to it, uh, which which I thought was was kind of cool. I like, I like Gunbreaker. I don't tank, but when I do tank... Mm-hmm. My tank is Gunbreaker. I definitely um, could see that. It's uh, yeah. and and that actually blew my mind a little bit because after playing Gunbreaker, I was like, oh, this is my new favorite tank. Mm. I guess it's because it plays like a DPS job, and I'm mainly a DPS player. And you know, and I think some of that too. I mean, you look at some of the changes that they made with 5.0. Um, you know, the, the the way that they controlled enmity stances and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I mean. I think more across the board, a lot of these tanks feel like a little bit more DPS-ish now. All you have to do is hit one button, and then you just do whatever you want to do, and you're generating enmity, right? It's it's not yeah. as uh, complicated as it used to be. But um, for Dancer, um, the obvious concept is that you're supporting the team through dance, um, and so they knew that they wanted to use steps for this. Um, I still, I still, uh, every time I think about Dancer, it just blows my mind that they're like, we're going to take support away from all these other jobs because Dancer exists, and we're going to make Dancer the the only supporting <laughs> job in the entire game. Yeah, I don't know who was behind that decision because I I actually I mean they've changed obviously. Yeah, like, it's not as though the team yeah. it's not as though the team is is unresponsive and never pays attention, but yep, I correct. was baffled. I was baffled right. when this was first released and I was coming off of uh my main DPS in Stormblood was Bard and I <laughs> looked at my Bard and I was like why am I playing Bard then? Like, mm-hmm. yes. you know, I was just like, this makes mm-hmm. no sense. It's already, yep. like we were talking about earlier, I was just like, it's already a weird hybrid, right? So like, if you are going to remove its buffing capabilities, in what world is this a Bard? Yeah. Why Why would you not just relabel the whole class Ranger? Yeah. My, I mean, my, my, my entire issue for bard will forever be the fact that mage's ballad has nothing to do with magic 
I know. I mean, like, I honestly, I couldn't believe that they even took away some of the mana replen that Bard offered. Because I was yeah. like, at least that is still a varied utility that yeah. Bard could bring to the table, especially if other classes have had that taken away. So that you could say, like, hey, even if I am not maybe as direct of a DPS boost as Dancer, I can replenish reserves of mana or I can do these little things. Um, so it has been really interesting watching them introduce another one into this ranged role and I think have to grapple a little bit with how they want to define what that means within 14. Mm -hmm. um, and obviously we've seen them go back a little bit, you know, with Bard and I'm so glad they did. Uh, Machinist still is kind of that pure ranged DPS sort of deal, you know? And um, I think that's, like that's okay. I think yeah. that's okay because, you know, coming into it, um, I love the when, when they introduced the idea of machinists. I was like, that's awesome. Like, I love everything about this. And they're like, well, it's also a ranged DPS, which is ranged DPS is support because we don't have support in the game. Mm -hmm. So it's kind of like this little niche. Like, if you're a ranged DPS, you're also a support. And so, as somebody that plays melee DPS traditionally, like having the where we are now, where machinist is like the selfish ranged DPS, mm -hmm. like I'm all for it. I think that what what we have now is a, is a great balance of it where Dancer is, like, more support, Bard has a little bit of both worlds, and then Machinist is just like, I don't care about anybody, I have a giant robot and a gun, I'm just gonna shoot stuff and do damage, and it's gonna be great. And I think yeah. now it's great. I mean, looking back, though, I mean, I can just remember, like, oh yeah, Dancer's gonna be the only support thing, and, like, what? I'm like, still, I still don't like it. Like, like the, no. the, the fact <laughs> that, that at least for, for one patch that they thought that that was going to be a viable thing just blows my mind that that was what yeah. they were going for. I mean, I love Dancer and I love playing it. Like, yeah. I think yeah. it's super fun and I think it has a really good flow and the whole style and everything of the class is great. But I mean, we've talked about this and we'll probably keep talking about it. Um, there, Yeah, like forever. There is this big question, just like you said, Fusion, of support or like utility in the game that is not just pure damage boosting and i mean yeah. we've seen with Shadowbringers this almost you know drastic move with a lot of the overhauls for astrologian and things and with dancer coming into the mix this move towards like you kill uh, utility equ like equals direct damage buff mm -hmm. as opposed to like utility has a variety of meanings and some of that is because of exactly what we're talking about here like the battle designs and the ways that you know um the game has evolved and the fact that there may not be a lot of dynamic status effects that we always have to respond to in a ton of ways or um you know other things like that that might require buffs of some other variety yeah. um so damage just becomes this like focus it becomes the thing mm -hmm. And, and boosting it becomes the name of the game for utility. But, I mean, if they do something like Chemist for the next healer, there's a lot of stuff they could do with yep. that that would be crazy. You know, like, yeah. but what will they do? I mean, I think there are some really interesting characters that have been Chemist types in in Final Fantasy. Right. So, I, yeah. that know, would be interesting. There's There's that. There's, like reducing damage done by a boss that's another thing but that might not work in their system you that know, uh, we right. have barriers and such like that but there's a lot there there's not a lot of debuff that isn't just like oh increase damage a little bit for one specific type and we got rid of that thank goodness there's other things that could be done i don't know i i just wish that there were more support 
options yeah. but, you know the, the, the problem is is this late in the game there's such a huge ripple effect from oh, even yeah. just one new job regardless of if it's you know a, a dancer or got you know another tank or another dps i mean because it's not just the new well <laughs> they've taken the direction with 5.0 where it's they're only really focusing on the newer stuff now right with some of this stuff but yeah um, I mean, that idea of, okay, if we do have speculation, right, we introduce a support role, we have to decide mm -hmm. what classes move over to that, we have to decide how the party yeah. finder works now, we have to balance literally all of the past content with this new role, it's just, it's not going to happen, it's not going to happen, and so we're going to continue, I think, to have uh, a DPS class that may have one or two supporty-ish things, and that's mm -hmm. it, you know? And I, I would rather that than say... Hey, there's a support. There's one. Just yeah. Yeah. why was it not okay before? Like, why mm -hmm. change from what it was if you weren't gonna give more than just one option? Why? I don't know. Prior prior to Shadowbringers, uh, I used to joke that um, in in 2.0, 2.0, yes, in 2.0, Bard is fine. In Heaven's Word, they screwed it up. Mm -hmm. In 4.0, Bard was all right again. They were like, oh, we, we really screwed you over, guys. Let's let's undo that. And then I I surmised that every other one, they would screw Bard up again. And then they did it. And I was like, I, this was a joke. You weren't supposed to really do this. But um, yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely on the same page as Rook. As soon as uh, I was like, oh, I'm a support class that has no support. Guess I'm playing Dancer now. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because so I, 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 I'm the opposite of Fusion. Uh, I, I want to play the support job and boost everybody else up. I think it's more fun. And those those uh, those jobs tend to have a little bit more, uh, I'm going to say elegant micromanaging. And that just makes yeah, my yeah. brain happy okay. while, while I'm uh, doing a fight. Yeah, I, I have I actually, totally I actually have level dancer up and every every so often I do jump into a dungeon on dancer just to mix it up a little bit. So, you know, it's which is funny because I was like swearing off dancer. <laughs> when uh, when 5.0 hit, I'm like, That's oh, all this fun. all this random trigger crap that I hit it with Machinist, they put on Dancer. Oh, I ain't touching that. And now here I am. I mean, I have this. It's it's fully geared. I have Machinist. What a, you know? What the hell? Why not? It's, it's ordered procking. Yes. Like whereas yeah. whereas Bard was like, here's a proc in a random corner of your screen. Make sure you see that and hit the button. Dancer is like, it's gonna be one of these couple of things. Oh, it's that yep. one. Hit the button. Yeah. 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 I just I don't know. I'm forever gonna be mad about just one support class. Why you do? I, mean, I know. Give me I, a green got mage. Back into it. Yeah, it's and I hope of, it continues. Yeah, it's mm -hmm. it's definitely come back, and it's one of those things where I mean, if they decided they wanted to put like a a really multifaceted mm -hmm. utility support in, I mean, like we've been saying, likely that class would probably be op in older content or you oh, know yeah. would it be something they designed from then on out with it in mind but um i mean it is fun and the ones that we have are still fun um in a lot of ways to kind of micromanage i love what you said elegant micromanaging mm -hmm. right where you're sort of like script doing and you're arranging the things that you're going to kind of have to help the party out and that's like one of my favorite i love mini games on top of mini games you know mm -hmm. where i'm sort of dealing with all of that um but i mean though I don't think we'll see this in 14, the idea as well of having, like, a class or something that, like, does have these other things, be it, like, damage reduction or, yeah, like, a vulnerability or some kind of unique interrupt or... I mean, everybody has talked a lot about the idea of, like, um, 
like time mage and stuff like that mm -hmm. and it's like that'd be so cool but how would they ever implement it you know like yeah. you know in a turn-based game sure you can have slow effects and you can do this thing and you can speed up these cooldowns and you can do that stuff like and that would be so fun like i would have so much fun if i could play a character where like my tank says to me like, oh yeah, I kind of want to use my tank buster twice in this window. Can you speed up my cooldown on it if we line it up? I'd be like, heck yeah, and like go for <laughs> yeah. it, you know. Um, but I don't know if feasibly we'll ever get something like that in fourteen mm -hmm. with mm -hmm. trying to keep it balanced and not keep one class like dominant in the meta, you know. Um, but but uh, it would be awesome. Yeah, following that pattern, I'm hoping that in the next expansion they give us things like refresh back yeah i it pains mm. me when a healer <laughs> dies and i can't just be like here's your refresh don't be mm -hmm. sad although yeah, they, think... they did buff them with a couple of abilities to help with that instead yeah so they can handle their own refresh i think i think right now i i think right i'm probably safe in saying the expectations for 6.0 are a, a new healer and another dps yeah. right i think is what people are probably yeah thinking yeah. I, I think it'd be interesting to get a, a dps that uh, is a melee DPS with a, a slight focus on support. Yeah. Hmm. I think that would so be a... Ninja with more support? Yeah, ninja with more yeah. support. Ninja with more what support. about a support caster? I mean, then you can get that time mage in there. So, so uh, we, we do have red mage, right, mm -hmm. in, in yeah. that regard. So we no, don't have... You know. This is why <laughs> I mean... This is why I hate that there's one codified support, because everyone else right. who has support is like but you're a support no no that's not true do not say that I i'm am a dps because, yeah right yeah. because once you say that you have support they start dialing down damage as far yep. as balance and that's yeah. that's where we that's where the disservice really is to range dps they've dialed down the damage just because dancer is one of you and it sucks and i hate that type of balancing <laughs> so that's yeah. why i'm always mad about yeah. that yeah. red mage is that's such a tough one because yeah, in theory it is. In in theory it is. Yes, exactly what yeah. you said, Fusion. But I don't actually know if that's what it is in practice. Because no. like, while you have a heal, it does like nothing. Maybe maybe one in a thousand runs, you're gonna get a heal off on somebody that sure saves them from a thing. It's, it's right? Red Mage is is <laughs> is like the the DPS job that has an extra like oh shit button, right? Oh shoot, somebody yeah. died. Like let me let me I got that him. That is there, so you can proc your double cast yeah. to be yeah. able to start immediately when the boss comes back. And like that's go. fine. I mean, it used to really be taken into stuff because it had that crazy res mm -hmm. power. But now that it's nerfed a little bit and its mana management is a little bit harder, like. We talked about this before, I think, when we were doing the the caster quest yeah. discussion. Mm -hmm. um, the idea that, like, Red Mage right now does seem to sort of be in a little bit of an identity crisis as far as just, like, do I hurt things? But I kind of have utility, so I guess right. my damage should be lower, but I don't really have practical utility, so... And I just yeah. fill up my meters, but, like... I don't actually have special procs if one is like much higher or if I've got light or dark or if I've got like, so it it has so much potential, but it mm. does feel like they have been afraid to make anything except for ranged physical DPS a utility or like right. a support, you know? Right. If they Raising. just gave Red Mage mm. haste, like in a little bit. Oh. Yeah. Gosh, that would be a crazy game changer <laughs> yeah. for that job. Anyone that played eleven is just sitting here like, "Oh God, no, not again." I'm <laughs> I was a red mage in eleven, and I remember just those crisp refreshes. Like as soon as it was gonna, like, it would go have off, to be off GCD to not screw up your your DPS. Yeah. 
-hmm. But yeah, I I will always say that raising is not utility. Raising is not utility. Raising is only utility when you're doing progression. And that's sure. really it. That's that's when you have the utility. If you have the fight down and no one dies, you don't have any utility. You don't so need it. I count. It is conditional, unlike any other utility. Any damage utility, more damage is always good. Any healing, shielding, whatever, it's always good. To yeah. an extent. But if you never raise anyone, then why did you bring a red mage? Like, what are you doing? That's like, right. Yeah. I mean, play yeah. what you want to play. Correct. <laughs> the pragmatic sense that people go by is always going to be, then why bring it? It's hard to get rid of that in your mind. Bring it because it's fun, because you want to play it. But you will always be fighting the people who are like, well, it's not efficient. And it yeah. could be better. I don't know why they do it this way. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> It's a good point. Uh, that was, you nailed you nailed it. Ten out of ten. Gold star to Aldino. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've been about casters for a long time. Um, so they go on um, and talk about when they make new battle content. They always want to make sure that they approach the fights with the idea that any new player should be able to pick them up smoothly. Um, and I think too, as you know, as we get on with the expansions too, you see the borrowing of mechanics from other things. Like it always blows my mind when we get. Um, in heaven's word in uh what was that dungeon on the when you go up the mountain somal somal yeah and somal. it's basically it's basically that that fight from uh coil with the yeah. the plant and, and it's just like whoa wait what like <laughs> it's crazy when they do that kind of stuff um uh, one of the examples they gave uh, was for Innocence Extreme. Um, they said they felt that it was a success because the content uses high difficulty mechanics, but it doesn't require pre-planned uh, strategies. Um, whereas Titania is kind of the, the opposite of that. They liked having that that difference between the two fights. Mm -hmm. um, I thought Nakagawa's... it was really cool at that part where they uh, showed the arena from above. Anytime in this video when they showed mm. the fight from above, it was very them, interesting. Them, to... them dev camera angles. Yes. <laughs> You never really get to see it from that angle no. unless you're like making a little strat video or doing things or that you shouldn't be. Yeah. 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 And it's yeah. really interesting to see just like that's how they design it, basically. You know? Yeah. yeah. I mean, could yeah. you see that in the duty recorder? I've never used it, but do you have a detached <laughs> camera? I don't know. I have um, also never used the duty yeah. recorder. I they make either. it kind of difficult to use, so I don't know. Full, full I admission, know. I have never used the duty oh, recorder. It was never, you can never use it for any of the fights that were yeah. relevant uh, no. before, and it's fallen by the wayside now that you possibly can use it for relevant fights. I don't even know what fights are, are usable for it right now, because I've never used well, it. Yeah. I don't find it necessary. It yeah. could, be, could be so useful. It really could. I mean, oh my gosh, that could be such a useful tool if you could. I have no idea because I haven't used it either. Like, but if you yeah. could change the camera angles or like even if it was something we're sure like you can just watch it in game, but because of that, it's recorded like the perspective of each player and you could like mm -hmm. go between the player. Like that's a lot of stuff to try and do. Yeah. But I mean, it's, it's, it's tough nowadays with like Twitch and just recording existing. Mm -hmm. I mean, you can just record mm -hmm. the fight and just have it you know like, <laughs> you don't need to use the in-game duty recorder if you are somebody who really wants to review footage there yeah. are a ton of tools that you can use to just do that that um yeah. doesn't limit you as far as what fights are or aren't available and so on and so forth right mm -hmm. 
guess that's our that's our homework for this next week. Use, <laughs> use the JD recorder. recorder. Try I'm gonna be recorder. I'm gonna be busy fighting Gabranth in that new trial. Um, I'm time <laughs> to use the duty recorder. I mean, only if it's one of the ones yeah, that I can available. use the duty recorder on. Um, you know, it's funny we were talking about that earlier. I actually had Hydra in duty roulette the other day. Oh my uh, god! In trial, <laughs> I was like, "What? What is this?" Whoa! I love to get those. It's yeah. like oh, two it's minutes so great. done. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, going into uh, the ultimate fights, um, they talk about how. Um, they're very careful and picky about how uh, they decide who's going to work on the ultimate fights because they want to make sure that they have experience and, and they're able to pull it off. Um, and once they decide who's going to be in charge, um, they just give them complete creative control to do whatever they want with the fight. Cool. Um, yeah. Just, just just take it and go. Just do, do whatever you want. Um, they admit that they don't start from scratch with the ultimate fights. Um, they reference previous fights. With all the mechanics and the mobs and stuff, obviously, yeah. Um, but they do take the original uh, mechanics and, you know, kind of, they, they say they crank them up. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they come up with um, what they want to do, and they fight the bosses. Uh, they put them into the mechanics, um, but then they also uh, take the concept of the boss and they build mechanics around that. So, um, but it there's, varies from creator to creator. Like some yeah, of them... there's different approaches, yeah. Yeah. Um... They say that the trust system and new jobs are unique, uh, unusual examples of what the battle system team normally does. Obviously, this is new stuff, right? Um, but normally, um, they handle things like preventing cheats or mitigating load issues behind the scenes, things that players don't really, they're not really aware of. It's stuff that we just don't see, right? It's work behind the scenes to make sure things are smooth. Um, so and this so, is the team we need to blame for markers right now. That's what I'm hearing. Ooh. No, 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 no don't bring that ooh. down on me. <laughs> wow. No one knows who who committed the great marker crime. Yeah. It's a mystery. No one can have the have fingers pointed at yes. them. It's, who knows? I'm still I'm still <laughs> expecting that to to be lifted by two by by five point yeah. three. We'll see we'll see what happens. Um, the design of uh, the fights that they do in 14, uh, they want to surprise the players um, or create something that strikes a chord with them, and they want to continue to offer content that has equal parts surprise and excitement. So there you go. I'm sure we'll get a lot of that when we fight Gabranth on Tuesday. <laughs> It'll be even more surprising I saw, if we I don't saw, get Gabranth. I saw... Uh, what is it going to be if we don't get Gabron? That's that's the other question. Like, a heck really am I now? big Hrothgar. Just really a big Hrothgar. Really, <laughs> really, big, really, really big, big beefy Hrothgar. <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know how Final Fantasy used to have the the human enemies be really big compared? That's what we're going to fight. It's, it's just, just a throwback. Really it's like Zandy-sized Hrothgar. It's going to be all the female Hrothgar and all of the male Viera in the whole yeah. world gathered up in one arena, and you have to obliterate all of them so they can never be introduced to the mm. game ever. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So okay. many so many thoughts going on right now. Yeah, <laughs> I'm genuinely... How's everybody else feeling? I'm genuinely pumped about the new Relic, which... I feel like we'll see what happens when we actually get into it. Cause every time I'm really excited about the new relic and then I get burned out like two months in, but I, mm-hmm. I mean, Oh man, I really feel like Eureka had some stuff in there that I genuinely yeah. am excited about. And the story and everything has been so good. And we've gotten such fun, refreshing new content with Shadowbringers. I'm like, sign me up for whatever this is. I'm, I'm excited to win it. About Diablo yeah. relic gear. Yes. Give me that Diablo yes. relic gear. 
yes, I do not want that. Pink Dancer outfit anymore. <laughs> that I, you know, I'm, I'm yeah. excited. I think more so from a a lore perspective. Like I, I always do the relic weapons, right? Mm-hmm. I always do the you know, as soon as they come out, I'm I'm in it for the grind. I'll do one, maybe yeah. a couple. I think I ended up doing like three or four with Eureka. I don't know how, but I did. Um, Goose egg, but. <laughs> yeah, I'm really looking forward to to the, the, the story about it. I mean, obviously, uh, from a lore perspective, the idea of anything related, related to, to Bocha Citadel is, like, awesome, and I can't wait yeah. to, to get into that. I, I mean, obviously, with Eureka, it was, you know, the Isle of All, and it got a nod back in, like, mm-hmm. the end of, like, 2.x, right? And, like, oh, it's this place. All right, sure. But, like, this is Boja freaking Citadel. Like, mm-hmm. this is Nail. This is Project Meteor. This is where, uh, you know, Sid's dad died. Like, there's a lot of stuff they could do here. And I'm really looking forward to it. For me, um, I used to do the relics because they were on par with the stuff you could get out of raids. So not getting mm-hmm. them was often a detriment uh, if mm-hmm. you were raiding. They're not anymore, really. So it's... I don't I don't find it necessary except for Glimmy Glams or Time Killer, you know? Yeah. Zen. Mm-hmm. Sparkles. <laughs> Have you seen the sparkles though? I haven't. <laughs> Well, then when the new ones come out, you're going to have to take a look when the tear comes out. Those I sparkles mean, aren't on because the I, uh, sparkles are very good. Okay. You can have a Thank stick. You. you could have a stick yeah. that sparkles then. And it, the Shit. whole thing will glow. Shit. And sometimes they'll do like rainbow colors on it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I'm just saying that I think you maybe need to reevaluate. I'm not saying I won't do it. Especially R- right Rook now, would I... make a, a great yeah. used legendary weapon yeah. salesman, yes. I think, yes. right? <laughs> is what we're getting from this. So currently, I personally caught up on like everything that I can do in the game. Uh, so when this new content comes out, I am gonna do it. Don't worry. Yes. I will at least probably get the first sparkle stick and sparkle throwy doodle, and diable armor. <laughs> oh my god! I, I, I well, I, you know, are we even getting diable armor with this patch? I hope so. Because however long uh, it takes for me to get diable armor is however long I will do. <laughs> so 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 remember. So with this installment, it, they they said that the weapon, the first form of the weapon, will be fairly easy to get. We mm-hmm. don't have some big eureka like area with this patch. That's coming with yeah. the next patch. All we have yeah. now is the trial. So are we even going to get that diable armor? <laughs> I don't know. No, I hope so. I hope that they at least give us. Like that, yes, please. The diable armor. I'm so tired of having all the gear be colors that just don't work. Like, please let me just do my own color palette on it. Um, I I hope they do, but I mean, at the very least, we know we're getting that first step of the weapon tokens. and um, I... some tokens from whatever happens. Tokens to make my armor diable. I so I I am never excited for the relic weapon, and I never will be. Do you know oh. why? No, tell please, us why. please Netflix. tell us why. Because. No, because it's always going to be a book, and they haven't really tried oh. since the Veil of Wii U to really, like, jazz it up any. Mm. So it's like, yeah. that's, like, I, I don't know. Like, the sparkles on a book? Okay. Like, the, the <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, there's so much that they could be doing with them, but they don't. If what, it was, like, a what, red mage or a black mage, I'd be excited, but not. What if it gun was book. a... So if it's a gun I, book. I was just getting to that. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I mean, look, these are the the you know exactly. save the queen, the the what you know Gunhilder and exactly. you know Hrothgar and the, the name save the queen. Gunbook. Are we gonna get Gunbook? Yeah. With what if this is Gunbook? Gunlands. Gun gun, 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 really be... gun, gun yeah, Bagnax. Gun yeah, or... Gunblade. 
or something that belies that summoner is a magical job you know just i mean like yeah. the book is cool yeah. but it's usually just super mundane whereas you know everything else has these like fantastical elements to it it's weird you're, i don't know you're not alone i i know for a long time i raided with and have a good friend who his main scholar and yeah, um, has said the it. exact same thing and i've heard summoners say the exact same thing there's a handful that are kind of cool yeah right yeah. but like you end up with it seems like there are these just either you get nothing yeah. or you get like a very distinctive thing. Like there's a huge butterfly on it when you yeah. open it, which can be great. Like, don't get me wrong. I love the sparkle butterfly. And this friend used the sparkle butterfly book for a long time. But it's like sometimes you do want a little variety. Like even if you had yeah. some kind of like a Garlean interface kind of like pop up above it or yeah. it was like a tablet or, you know, like an Alec ruin or like a or, you know, something like if you had anything that kind of gave it a distinctive feel um, so that it wasn't just like it's a book. But this time, hold on to your butts. It's a yeah. book, but it's also a gun. <laughs> there is a there red spot on the cover. And it's yeah, like, right. OK, great. Thank you for the red book. I mm -hmm. <laughs> like, Yeah. Thank you for the book that, for some reason, has a weird spinny bit on it that just makes no sense. <laughs> because... Or, or what if what if it's a book and when you open it, there's a magazine inside the book? Oh, see, see, that would be okay. See, that would be a fun joke weapon. That'd be there pretty cool. It'd I be mean, like what the kind of magazine? I yeah, exactly. am not at liberty to. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you, yeah, or like if you had a special effect where there were like pages flying around it yeah, or, you know, you know, like something that was like emerging from it or, um, yeah, it's, it's a weird one. The pop, pop-up uh, book. Yeah. And the pop-up, and the, and the, and the pop-up is a gun. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's me, a gremlin. I've been living yes, in this yeah. book the whole time. <laughs> Oh my god. I mean, we have those book enemies that have just the head out of the, yeah. middle of the book. Yes. He so. Have, have we has cool. there has there been a pop up book? No, I don't think so. I don't think so. What about the the Moogle the Moogle one? No, uh, what they tend no. to do is do something on the back of the book. So like there was yeah. a couple that like shoot out spike basically at the top of it. Mm -hmm. Like there's yeah. a couple that I'm remembering that have this little like thing that shows a up. A fan of spikes. Mm -hmm. The first yeah. Eden book was pretty cool because it had this cool banner that looked like. Like when you opened it, there was this like rainbow looking banner that looked like parchment, which was cool. Oh, that's do more of that. The there worst part I think about books is a lot of times the uh, the texture on the pages inside is just shit. Yes, it's pixely crap. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you can. <laughs> it does not look good. Yeah, uh, it's a little rough. I mean, I mean, even, <laughs> even if they just like. Even if, like, depending on which book you had, there was some kind of additional lore, like a little excerpt or something that you could read, at least then you would feel like, well, at least this book enriched yeah. my understanding of the world. But as it is, there are very few that I think are cool or make you feel yeah. like, yeah, I got that book. And though really though I, I will say, right, in, in defense of the design team. There's only so many ways you can make a exactly. book. I know. Right? Right? Book just came up with like 20 ways to make books cool. <laughs> <laughs> what if what if when you open it fire shoots out? <laughs> what if, what if the, these yeah. these are all examples of like when the the product testing team like brings in like the group of like 7 to 10 year olds and they're like yeah. what would you like to see? What if you got a book and you open it and there's fire? It's like, all right, that's a great, that's a great, that's a great uh, comment. Rook will write that down. Anybody else? 
what about a book with water? Well, the water would make the pages soggy. Yeah. So I don't know if we would want to have a water book. But the fire would burn it. Besides beside the point. It's beside the point. All of you need to believe in magic harder. Because yeah. <laughs> enchanted book. Just a bubble? Yeah. Like a bubble believe of water? Harder. I want that. Look. Bubbles! That would Just be bubbles. cool. What if... Just bubbles. <laughs> There were like bubbles, but you like I don't know the reflect the reflection of pages in it or something. Uh, yeah, um, you know, like I don't know. I think there I is a know. there is a, a series of weapons that have bubbles. Is it? Oh, it's the Bismarck. Uh, Bismarck. Yeah. Bismarck has bubbles. Bismarck. Yeah. 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 But you have to wait to get the shiny one of those. Blackened in chat says, yeah. "What if the pages are water?" Yeah, there you go. <laughs> oh, there you see, are. See, it's, it's it interesting because now I'm, I'm thinking of this internal requirement for scholar and, and summoner books, right? Where they have to also function as normal books. Could you imagine going to yeah. a library and opening up a book and it's just water? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Harry Potter verse. Even, even yeah. worse, if you're if you're a naturally born Garlean and have no magic skills at all, you're just like, this is just <laughs> water. What am I supposed to do with this? <laughs> You hold the book and you're, like your magical ethereal manipulation is supposed to keep it in its shape, and it just it just turns. It's not off a thing. It's not a thing. Yeah. Oh my god! What happens? They're what happens if you, you? What happens if you spill the book? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you right, you just open it up. The water just falls out. Oh, I guess that knowledge is lost. <laughs> Look, I'm just saying there are some things you can yes. do with books. It's just like it is hard because I mean. I think that with that, like that weapon in particular, probably because of the way, and this is me speaking from very little technical behind the scenes knowledge, but like I'm sure that because of the animations and the way you hold it, it yeah. has like a very distinctive confined shape. And then you yeah. have to like holster it and put it on your hip. So like mm -hmm. I get a lot of the problems, but like I do think it is difficult with them having designed it that way in the first place, yeah. right? Like. Mm -hmm. If it was going to be that limiting, it, it is kind of tough to now have to deal with this from a design standpoint to get players excited about the gear. And like, yeah. even if you could find some way to, I don't know, put some like flowy ribbons on it, yeah, you know. get craft projecty on it, like put some but, glitter. But, just, like, but, fi but I physics. Like, I want to yeah. see text. Text that's made of fire. So like you have a very small limited Ooh. animation of text that's fire yeah. or water or yeah. whatever, wind. Something. That'd be cool. Or what the book if... itself wouldn't even have to be that fancy because the text would be the cool part. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there are what many if... things that you could do. There's you just, you just want a book like that's like the map for the Chamber of Secrets that when you pull it out, it just like appears on yeah. the page. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, this would be very difficult and probably impossible, but why not? We're in the in the brain space. Let's do it. I mean, like, there's been this whole discussion for ages about um skins and stuff for mm -hmm. your eggies and the carbuncles and oh, and like being able to have yes. customization there you're I gonna mean, get them going you could do something <laughs> it could be something where maybe certain tomes had some kind of visual effect on the summons you did sure like yeah. even if that was you know like that would be kind of a neat touch and then you could just make it a book every time and nobody would yeah. care because get your, get your ramu eggy for yeah, for only like, the for the low price of eighteen dollars, if you yeah, buy this exactly. new book off of the mock stage, ifrit with yeah. bubbles, <laughs> just cause bubble ifrit with bubbles, <laughs> ifrit with bubbles. I don't know. It's just it's just um, an interesting problem, and I, I I'm sure that they have they don't have this problem. It's it's interesting because they are limited, but it's more open by things such as the astro. It's limited because it's mm -hmm. got to be this thing, but you can do mm -hmm. anything with that. There's so many different ways that it articulates. 
You know, like a, yeah. a plain sword. We've seen what they can do with just a plain sword. But 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 keep in mind too, right? And again, it comes to that complexity of of resource mm -hmm. costs. It's okay. You have you know this one character use it this way. Well, then how does it look on all of the other races? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. It's it's just they kind of wrote themselves into this corner. Haha. -ha, yeah. Wrote. Yeah. You know. <laughs> I get it, because we were talking about books. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, on paper, the idea of using a book as a weapon really wasn't too bad. But <laughs> uncomfortable silence. <laughs> this is what I'm I mean. For. Yeah, I'm Was just trying bad? to think of more more book puns. I'm trying not to. <laughs> okay. I mean, hopefully, at some point, they'll turn a new page on yes. all of this. Uh, <laughs> oh God. All right, these we're done. These aren't that bad. Grow a spine. We're done. We're done. <laughs> oh, Post show. We're done. All right. Um. <laughs> so anyway, uh, that I did hit the button and everything. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so uh, that's gonna do it for this week. Uh, this week we uh, next week we're gonna have uh, hands on with uh, patch five point two five. We're gonna see if uh, we actually are fighting Gabronth. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Uh, I don't, you know, I, I'm not going to like put any bets on it or anything, um, but we'll see. Not we'll see what happens. Enough. Right. I, well, it, you know, it's like, what am I going to do? Like shave my head live on the button? No, I'm not going to do that. Because um, I'm not. Because I'm not. <laughs> I'll probably have to do that by myself at some point anyway, because I didn't get a haircut before the quarantine. So, yeah. right. Yeah. I'm not looking forward to a month from now where my roots are just... If, if if I had oh, gone to PAX, about it. if yeah, I had gone there. to PAX, I would have gotten a haircut. Okay but so now, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Anyway, uh, next week, uh, hands on five point two five, uh, and so we will see you there next week. If you want, you can email us at eighthradiogamerscape.com. You can find us on Twitter on eighthradiogamerscape, Facebook gamerscape, and Discord discord.gg/gamerscape. We have an eighthradio channel where you can talk to us about the show. Please and do. that's gonna do it. For us for this week uh also final fantasy 7 remake next week lots of right right after yeah. the patch right after the, so much stuff That's so good much stuff. so uh please please stay safe stay home and we will see you here next week bye, bye.